Hyped Up, Friends and Family. It's time for another episode of Hype is My Superpower. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Storm in Brooklyn, New York. And joining me via the miracles of modern technology, it's my good buddy, Will Freeland. Will, how is it going, man? What's up, what's up? Things are going pretty well. Gosh, I had some sort of zinger comment that I was going to make, <laughs> and I had it ready, and I no longer remember what it was. Me, me but, talking um, like blur? Apparently. Kind of threw it off for you? It completely threw me off. But yeah, no, things are good. Another week down. I have legitimately spent the last like two days not doing work stuff, which has been nice, Hmm. but it's just going to make the next few days kind of rough, but that's okay. And by, by the last few days, you mean the weekend, right? You didn't work (laughs) over the weekend. Right. <laughs> so okay. Friday just, night, just I did translating not translating this into, you know, non-workaholic speak. Yeah. Friday night, I did not work. Saturday, all day, did not work. Sunday, up until this afternoon, I have not worked. Yeah. We are recording this pod, and then I'm going to stream on Twitch, and then I'm going to work okay. after Twitch. That's late. Yeah, it's like 9.30. It's not so bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm on East Coast time. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Dodgers pulled through the series with the Giants, moving along to the National League Championship Series, last round before the World Series. Feeling pretty good about that, even though they dropped the first game. Game two starts in about an hour and a half, so if I start exclaiming randomly in the middle of this pod, listeners, you'll know why. But today, Rachel and I went off, uh, we rode our bikes to the ferry, took our bikes on the ferry to Governor's Island. It's like a little former military base, now a park in, you know, just south of Manhattan. And really beautiful day, nice bike ride around the park, food trucks, had Ethiopian food and Korean Mexican fusion kimchi tacos. So... Yeah, tasty. Sounds interesting. Doesn't sound like your cup of tea. It's, I mean... You're not an adventurous eater. It's okay. I'm not as adventurous an eater as literally every other member of my family. (laughs) But whatever. Uh I I eat what I eat, and it's Mm -hmm. delicious, and I'm happy. So it's fine. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on our last podcast... Yeah, shall we uh, do our first part two? (laughs) I know, yeah. Yeah, we got one for the ages here. Mm -hmm. Giant Size X of Swords part two. So if you you haven't listened to our last podcast, you should should really do that because we've we've received high praise from, you know, some of the, from Matthew on uh, ethical, uh, superhero ethics for... You know, saying that we describe the comics well for non-readers. And I, I truly hope that that's true. But this time, oof, we're, <laughs> we're jumping in the middle of a storyline that we did part one of last week. And so, yeah. you know, we'll do our best. But really, just, just go listen to the previous podcast and that'll fill you in for, for this one. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. The like two sentence recap of the first 11, most of the 11 chapters. Yeah, it can be recapped really easily. That's true. Is basically 
Shenanigans are going down in Otherworld because the first generation of mutants that are led by Apocalypse's wife and his children are in Arako, which is the other half of Krakoa. <laughs> I would have and, told this recap and like completely backwards from you, but go ahead. <laughs> well, because that's what happens at the beginning is right. they want to take over everything basically and take out earth and Krakoa and Saturnine from the Opal Palace has said, okay, we can decide this through a tournament, 10 champions, 10 swords by my choice. Here's some, here's 10 riddles for your 10 champions to find which 10 swords they're supposed to have and have at the, and we'll see you back here in a week's time. Yeah. So many thousands of years ago, Krakoa, the island that the mutant nation built their nation on, was cut in half. The other half went into this sort of portal to this dark place called Amenth. And among those who went were Apocalypse's wife and children. And they have plotted their return, but they've been corrupted by Amenth. And so the gateway through is a place called Otherworld, which Will described and champions tournament etc cetera, etc cetera. and so where we left off we basically kind of went over all that and we're about to get into saturnine is having a giant like event was a rehearsal dinner basically to have all of the champions that are participating and the rulers of the different realms of other world at this big banquet to uh kind of see each other, meet each other, be civil. Yeah. The first half was really exposition more than anything. And table setting, you had all of the different champions on, you know, well, you you had a deeper history into Arako, Amenth, etc. You had introducing all of the Araka, Arakan characters, Araki, Araki characters. Yeah. And you had sort of a sword gathering quest for all of the mutants, the Krakoan champions. So that's kind of all set up and done with, except for. Yeah, we did not cover one issue. Yeah, we we skipped over one issue in the first half. So let's go back and do that quickly enough. It was an issue of Hellions and woe betide that we miss an issue of Hellions because it is just the best. Just, just. It's a, it's, it's a really fun title. I like it. It's so much fun. And note again, like the other previous issues of Hellions, this one starts with a quote from Nightcrawler. Again, presumably from this mutant religion that he started. It says, remember always that our mutations were born from pain. When we train our gifts on our enemies, we train our sorrow, our past, our battered souls. Let us be wary of using these sacred things for war. First, Empath gets resurrected. If you remember from our previous Dawn of X podcast, Empath <laughs> got his face shot off by <laughs> Grey Crow. By John Grey Crow for using his emotion manipulating powers when he was explicitly warned not to. And he's salty and gross and grosses Xavier out. Crucially, as you brought up, he doesn't have his memories of how he died. Yeah. So part of the resurrection protocols, basically, uh, as soon as you're rebirthed, you get the latest cerebral version of 
your save file basically <laughs> and anything that's happened basically since you've and it's been auto on... it auto saves yeah you get pretty frequent checkpoints into cerebro yeah. there into the cloud basically after you leave krakoa that's kind of what you have to fill in it's kind of it's basically up to the other mutants who are with you to inform the telepaths so they can tell you <laughs> to <laughs> how you died and so when empath gets brought back Xavier is going to try to fill that in and then Xavier gets disgusted by him and he leaves and he's like, hope finish this off. We have dot, dot, dot a visitor, which I refuse to believe it's actually a visitor. I think he just wanted to leave. (laughs) (laughs) And hope was like, all right, so empath. Hi. Uh, do you want to talk about how you died? And he was just being a total ass to her. So he was just like, all right, you know what? I'm out. You don't need to know. The only reason why this stands out to me is because you have this, system built in for your resurrection process but you have both xavier and hope letting their emotions rewrite their approach to this situation that's not okay yeah it's unprofessional it is unprofessional but it also kind of goes to the mission of the hellions in the first place like what do you do with these mutants who are just shits like yeah (laughs) like empath is just too distasteful of a person of a character to to even charity to yeah to spend the time with so kind of funny and then we cut to a quiet council meeting and sinister interrupts uh, you know they're they're talking giving the exposition about there's a tournament well it's kind of silly to have a tournament and you know a lot of members of the council are in on the tournament and sinister says you know why don't we go i we get my hellions team together and we go to try and you know kill the iraqi champions or do something to stop this tournament before it starts Mm -hmm. well so he specifically says what if we take all their swords so they can't compete yeah and then that would force a forfeit from the iraqi side and so there would be no actual contest and kakawa would win and therefore earth survives (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so all of the you know traditionally evil mutants and emma who straddles the line but not magneto who also straddles the line vote to have this mission take place and then Sinister is, is just so obnoxious that he uh, Exodus gets a uh, Sinister says, well, Sinister should go on this mission, too. So Magneto changes his vote <laughs> just <laughs> just to screw with Sinister. And there they go. The kind of takeaways from that is like Exodus kind of flexing here because the two times Sinister has come to the quiet council for the hellions it's one to create the hellions and two to send these hellions on this like extreme black ops mission like the way he yeah. presents his case makes it sound like it's the logical choice to do and it's very manipulative and exodus yeah. is basically kind of tired of it and he's like you know what what if uh i mean if you're gonna do this and it's such a big important mission you should go with them right and then, so the Quiet <laughs> Council's like, yeah, because <laughs> I mean, Sinister, Sinister is an ass. But the other takeaway from me on that <laughs> is when they finalize the vote, there's a close up on Sinister, and he looks concerned. Like they're like, yeah. all right, it's yeah, settled. Yeah. You should probably leave soon, Sinister. The fate of Krakoa is in your hands, and he looks like legitimately kind of scared. 
And yet we learn that he has a backup plan for this anyway. And Sinister is the king of wheels within wheels other than Nick Fury. Right. Turns out that he has a secret cloning lab. He has his own secret cloning lab, which he's expertly known for. So like, (laughs) why would anyone ever think that he's not running a cloning lab? The entire first Hellions mission is to destroy an old Sinister cloning lab. (laughs) (laughs) But this is strictly verboten on Krakoa. No other sources of mutant cloning and resurrections. So that is worth tracking and worthwhile. And there's a whole setup here. First, he argues with Exodus about his cape. He says that the little ribbon thingies that make up his cape are plumage, not tendrils. (laughs) And then thaws out a sinister clone to go on this mission in his stead. And the sinister clone is like, no, 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 you go. Finally, they rock, paper, scissors for it. And the winner gets the cape. (laughs) (laughs) but also has to go on the mission Mm. and so there they go (laughs) oh and also empath despite not being told how he died figures it out immediately hellion says so how did i die i i can't remember and quantum says remember great crow's warning not to use your powers to manipulate the team that's the important thing to remember and he said, and Pat says, did you, did you shoot me in the head? <laughs> anyway, gate, they walk through, they go to other worlds. They run immediately into King Jamie, who is crazy, but he is just the same kind of crazy as Sinister. And they managed to trade a, uh, like a horse unicorn for... Sinister's cape, <laughs> and that gives them passage to get through Otherworld and get to the uh, gate to Amenth, and we'll pick that story up in the second half. Oh, also, in order to get through it, they cut a deal and agreed to let Empath manipulate John Greycrow for the rest of the mission. And he's just his little servant and acts ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not going to end well. And Sinister says it never does. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so second half. Yeah. Jumping into chapter 13. Of no, did we do? We did 12 already? We did 12. Okay, yeah, that's right. That's 12 is the, the sort of retelling of the... It's the, the scene between... The true telling. Yeah, it's the scene between Genesis and Apocalypse. And yeah, the, the re-re-retelling of the origin of Arako. And the what's been happening in Iraqo since the split from Genesis point of view. Okay. Mm-hmm. Part 13 is an issue of Marauders. And this is, as you mentioned, the rehearsal dinner. Yeah. So this is the rehearsal dinner. The dinner sounds interesting. <laughs> for an adventurous eater, perhaps. For, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> you're I'm not, not going. You're not this. going after a ghost fig dry aged in the crooked market during the devil winds blowing from Blightspoke, or Sevalithian blood wine fermented from the extracts of the nobles, or a sea leaf salad harvested from the shadow trench and braised in the urine of Orkina, the giant squid. Mm-hmm. And that's just the amuse bouche in the first course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a, a five course meal. Yeah. That's getting served up. And just, it's like, this is one of those like small details that Hickman throws out there that just, (laughs) it's unnecessary, but it's so much fun. 
Yeah, it's a nice. It it does come up again actually because the second chorus is a scarab stuffed with cumin spiced farro brain mash and a wine reduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for reference and and reminder, but Apocalypse comes from ancient Egypt from our perspective, yeah. mm-hmm. and so his four children and Genesis are all very heavily Egyptian themed. Yes, you know, death is is basically what you would expect Anubis to look like, mm-hmm. which is fun because Anubis is the Egyptian god of death. Pestilence has the pharaoh's sarcophagus head, and yeah. famine has the giant onk for a head. Yeah, and war is just fire, <laughs> <laughs> a torch burning in the night. <laughs> but so yeah, they're yeah. they're not very specifically Egyptian. Egyptian, but cool. Yeah, they're yeah. they're 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 very <laughs> Egyptian themed. So yeah, that does come up as a conversation piece. In any yeah. case, we have the 10 and 9 from Krakoa champions meeting each other and sizing each other up and having a little small talk here and there. We also open on Mad Jim Jaspers, who is a real deep cut of lore there. Mad Jim Jaspers, he's from Earth 616, uh, Earth 616. Oh. He was a member of parliament there. And very briefly, the I believe the prime minister, he kind of like the Senator Kelly of Britain, basically. But he was secretly a mutant or some sort of superhuman. I guess he wasn't specifically a mutant, but with vast reality warping powers huh. in one of the, you know, crazy, wild Captain Britain adventures, an alternate reality version of him warped that reality so bad that they had to just end it they had to just cut it out and stop it <laughs> the listeners wow. can't hear your face will but yes well i no, i thought that i thought that was going to keep going i didn't want to i didn't want to interrupt yeah. <laughs> yeah so i thought i'd heard of jim jaspers mad jim jaspers before but i yeah. didn't know if i was getting that confused with jasper sitwell which oh, I definitely yeah. know. And he's, uh-huh. he, back when S.H.I.E.L.D. was a thing, he was very much the classic go-to agent. Him and Jimmy Woo were yeah. like the classic S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. They were level eight, I believe. And not a double agent like in and not, the MCU. No, no. Yeah. Jesper Sitwell is a tall, lanky, white guy with glasses <laughs> and blonde hair. And he conducts a very interesting interview in The Secret War crossover by Brian Michael Bendis, which kicks off a very hellacious period of Marvel. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if I was getting them mixed up or not. Yeah. So the, the one other thing is that sort of the, the reality warping of Mad Jim Jaspers had some like mutated, the effect of some mutated babies at the end of it. And they became sort of like a MacGuffin slash plot football in a number of Excalibur stories and so on mm. back in the day. But they didn't really amount to much. They were called the Warpies. If you ever see the word Warpies anywhere, that's what it is. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So imagine Jaspers is now the head of the crooked market uh, realm yes. of Otherworld. Yes. One of the 10 realms of Otherworld. And it is just a big open air bazaar full of just weird contraband from all sorts and rarities from all all sorts of different realities kind yeah. of taking advantage of other worlds spot as a nexus of of the multiverse and yep he's got 
all sorts of weird, weird, slimy things for sale. Yeah, it. it uh, I like the the sell line for the crooked market. Is uh, I think it's like you can find anything around the corner at the crooked market. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whatever you're looking for, the crooked market's got it. Yeah, so we have kind of just a happy hour going on, and Storm and Death have a moment here. Storm which and will Death become have a moment. Interesting later, she puts a little flower between his ears or the ears of his mask. Bay and Cipher have a moment where she basically accosts him and says, "What are you looking at?" Or avert thy eyes, soft boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which really, really, that that ought to be a go-to insult. From now on. Soft boy. Yeah. <laughs> Just avert thy eyes, soft boy. So Wolverine is being Wolverine and brooding in the corner, looking off of into course. the distance. Yeah. And Storm is like, I know what you're thinking about doing. And Wolverine's like, are you here to stop me? And she's like, no, just don't miss. And I legit have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, okay, so Logan's going to do some Logan stuff at some yep. point. All right. Yep whatever yeah but uh so this issue has two moments that end up being my takeaways for the reason why this whole story exists <laughs> <laughs> and it primarily focuses on storm and magic well also the situation between brian braddock and saturnine oh yeah well yeah logan given brian just all the crap. So, so Logan doesn't want his friends to die, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like the way, the way it's presented, Logan is like the only one with a clear head about all this because yeah. everyone else seems to be just going with it. And yeah. Logan approaches Brian. He's like, literally all you had to do was <laughs> sleep with Saturnine. Yeah. <laughs> and this, then none of this would be happening. Yeah. My, my fellow Krakoans would not be on the chopping block. We have right. Cypher who's never held a sword before. Like right. <laughs> we, we would not be lambs to the actual slaughter. If you just slept with Saturnine and he's like, I'm married. It's like, yeah, you're also in another reality right now. But <laughs> like, <laughs> is that, is, is, is that the rules about cheating? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> or you go and Big, talk to, Big, you go and Big talk Bo to Megan. in another reality at the time. You go yeah. and talk to Megan and you're like, Hey, look, all of this reality is at stake yeah. here. Do you yeah. mind if I sleep <laughs> with someone for the good of all reality? <laughs> I feel like, Yeah. <laughs> Something could have been worked out if they go to if Stu can do it, Ryan can do it. Hey, hey, hey! Cheating is different from polyamory. Okay, I know, but I'm saying they it, could. Okay, you you should if if no, I did, Logan I did if Logan <laughs> if Logan Gene and Cyclops can figure it out, which it seems to be that they are canonically. A thruple. Confirming that this is a thruple. Yeah. They have doors to each other's rooms. But on top of that, like, yeah. how many times has that been a point of contention for the last 60 years yes. in X-Men stories? Yes. They figured it out after, like, 10 in-universe years of fighting each other. Which kind of goes to something about Krakoa getting something, rid of conflicts being, between yeah. people. It doesn't have to necessarily be Krakoa itself or whether it's Xavier, like you're. It's theory, Xavier, but it's Xavier. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> some, 
something 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 making people shenanigans making people not care i mean honestly the the last person who should have something to say about this is scott who left madeline to be with gene and then cheated on gene and then did not resurrect madeline after she cried to be brought back because she just wanted to be a real person yeah yeah I don't, how, I don't I don't I don't know how it ended between Scott and Emma. I guess he was dead when he came back. Did they have a thing or was it just like, oh, no. Gene's back later? Gene got Gene got brought back and they hadn't been together until Krakoa. Emma and Scott hadn't? Emma, no, like Emma and Scott broke up a while ago. But Gene and Scott haven't been together until Krakoa. Oh. Gene came back and did the whole X-Men Red thing and had nothing to do with Scott. Oh. Okay, was like, Scott? Yeah. But Scott was resurrected before Krakoa, right? Anyway, this when is a little Scott in the weeds. Di- I don't remember when Scott died. Scott died. It was Death of X. It was in Death of oh, done. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No. Yeah. He and Emma were together in Death of X. Okay. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, they were together in Death of X. I didn't read it, but I remember you telling me about it. So there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Oh. See, wow. I listen sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Death of X. Oh my gosh, that's a great story we should talk about sometime because Death of X legitimately led into an entire other crossover story for X Men versus Inhumans, <laughs> which was totally contrived. But but for the 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 grounds that they jumped, the hoops that they jumped through, it sort of worked. But yeah, IVX. Uh, you know, he how did he get back? I don't remember how he was brought back. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But no, he he was, for lack of a better term, single for a while huh. until Krakoa. Huh. Yeah, Scott single. It <laughs> literally hasn't happened since the sixties. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, something something sixties something something Krakoa love. He's just bounced from bed to bed. Well, point. Yeah. Point is, Saturnine, Megan, and Bran, Brian could have gone to a multiversal therapy and figured something out. They didn't have to do Ten of Swords crossover. Yeah. But it is what it is. And of all people, you know, having a healthy relationship with multiple partners, the people of all people to figure that out being Scott and Gene and Logan is outrageous. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay, so my so my two my two takeaway scenes. Yeah, sorry, just real quick. I also enjoyed the little scene where Magic and Gorgon are sizing up all their opponents at the yep. uh, at the rehearsal dinner. Yep, that was cool. That was that was that was my oh, takeaway sorry. for uh, for Magic. No, it's it's fine. So yeah. basically, Magic is going to get a drink from one of the people walking by. Gorgon happens to be there at the same time and magic just starts their conversation with war is right-handed and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Gorgon's like, so yep. cool. <laughs> and so, and like, they just go into this little like back and forth of sizing up their competition. Like, yeah, I'm not sure how to deal with Porg or Porg or Porg. And Gorgon's like, every beast has a weakness. You just have to find it. Yeah. Death favors his left Death side. Death favors left. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah. Also, I think Red Root Shrubbery is maybe hiding some other eyes. Hmm. And they're like, I don't know about Iska. Iska is yeah. the, the mutant whose power, ability is to never lose. They're like, I don't know what side she favors. And they're like, let's find out. And so they walk over to Iska. It's like, hey, Iska, how you doing? Um, <laughs> just wanted to talk real quick. 
oh, and then they both drop their glasses at the same time. And Iska uh, 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 nimbly <laughs> catches both and it's does good. this weird little like thing. And then uh, she's like, doesn't spill a drop. Doesn't spill a drop. And she's like, uh, oh, Gorgon's like, oh, geez, she's ambidextrous. And Iska's like, if you wanted to know what side I favored, you could have just asked asses. Yeah. Now, by the way, what about you guys? Drops and it on Iska, them. Iska's power, if you remember, is she can't lose. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, whatever, fine. How about you guys? Drops it from the crouch position. And Ileana's yeah. like, oh, please. Opens a <laughs> portal <laughs> below the cups. Has the portal go back above them. And they catch it without even moving. And then yeah. Magic's like, also not a drop spilled. What's up? <laughs> but so like, it's just, they're just... So now Iska, who cannot lose and has been fighting for thousands of years, is like, oh, you two will be fun. And I'm like, oh, Lord. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Lord. I like this. This is a great scene. This is two perfect characters to have this scene together, Magic and Gorgon, because they're both like of of the 10 champions of Krakoa. Them and Logan, I would say, are like the most stone cold fighter killer. Like Storm is definitely like I would put her up there just in terms of like she is scrappy as hell and she just has a a deep reservoir of will and toughness and don't give a fuck and skills from just her wildly varied life and so many different roles. Cable, obviously, but that's more old Cable than young Cable. If it was old Cable, this shit would be different. Yeah. Instead, he's playing the fool. And Psylocke is kind of lost some of that, not being in the ninja body anymore. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she, she didn't lose it, but she's just not being written that way. And so it really comes down to magic and Gorgon is the the unreformed, unrepentant killers of the group who are here to kill and to win. Yeah. Yeah. And so after that whole interaction with Iska, magic is like, what are we how do we deal with her? And, and Gorgon's just like, I don't know. Kill as many as you can, as fast as you can. I really feel like her sword is going to break us. And I was like, oh, jeez. Oh, no. Oh, no. This fight is going to be so intense. And at the beginning of their conversation, Iska said, I will not listen to any whining that the fights won't be fair. And Gorgon said, I've never been in a fair fight. They all had to face me. (laughs) And so for, for his attitude to switch like that over the course of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's intense. Absolutely. So basically my takeaway from that is just like giving us a chance to show adult Ileana for a really long time, at least for the comics that I've read. Ileana is the child who is forced to become an adult and never. And gave up her soul in the process. Gave up her soul in the process. But when placed in quote unquote normal reality on 616, she's still treated as a child and she's never given her chance to be a leader or an adult um, among the other adults. She's always on the new mutants. She's never on the X-Men kind of a thing. That's really true. She was on the new mutants for, yeah. Right. A long time. (laughs) But I always felt like she's always been second string to like any main line. And she's been on the X-Men. Like she's been an actual member, but she's never given a spotlight. She just spent so long being dead. 
Like, right. I feel like they're really, they've really fast-tracked her development in the last 10 years or so because she was just, she was just dead for so long. Because, <laughs> like, she was a character in the 80s with the New Mutants, right? She was first introduced as a little kid, as Coloss's little sister, aged up in limbo. And then when she was recovered, she joined the New Mutants and she went on crazy adventures with them. She was sort of like the chaos bringer. She, a lot of missions they went on were because she was screwing with things or had this headstrong idea and kind of pushed them forward. As she did that, you know, the dark side of her powers kind of took her over. She ended up going full dark child persona, which is the blah, 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 manifestation of her turning into a demon. That came to a head in Inferno. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of Inferno, she was reverted to her child form and then got the legacy virus and died almost immediately as a child. And so she spent about 20 years dead. So she was a character for like less than 10 years and then was dead for almost 20 and since then, they've, they've kind of been rushing to fill in who she is as a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she kind of became a mainstay during the X-Men Utopia era. Yeah. And since then, with Cyclops's sort of outlaw team. Right. I always felt like she was used as a tool mm-hmm. in a lot of those mm-hmm. uh, storylines. Yeah, the teleporter. Yeah. And she yeah. was like, she and Pixie and Nightcrawler are all on the yeah. same level. It's like, oh, we need to get somewhere. Oh, who's the teleporter we can use? Oh, we'll just use magic. But like yeah. in this, it shows that she's more than that. Yeah. Like she is a captain and she and Cyclops have mutual respect. They call each other ch- captain. I love it. Yeah. Her time on Kirkoa in, in this era really is letting her be adult Ileana, a main player beyond APC, basically. Yeah. And it's fitting that she was the first person to be like, yep, I'm good. Let's go. Got my soul sword. I got my sword. Let's go. Boom. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And so that scene just like really stuck out for me that this is how she sees her opponents. You know, like she's always sizing up. She's always figuring it out. That's something you typically see from other people who on screen have a history of battle. (laughs) Yeah. Like seeing the inside, like how Scott Summers thinks or how Gorgon thinks or how Logan thinks. Getting it from Ileana is just so much fun. Love it. Yes. And then the other is just, just highlighting and reaffirming how badass Storm is. Oh my God. Like that was the number one takeaway for this entire book. All 24, however many chapters, 22 chapters of story, but then there's like some extras, but like her conversations with Shuri and Wakanda and her placing, you know, Krakoa over Wakanda and this, that, and the other, that was like badass storm being an unbreakable woman. And then she has that first little like semi flirtation with death at the beginning of this issue. And then death asks her, to dance when there's like some downtime well no she asks him to dance oh she does my bad he's uh, he's oh, staring yeah, at that's her right. yes. cable says uh storm is it me or is that bad doggy over there creeping on you i know what he wants and then she hands cable her drink walks up to death and says may i yes and then they go and have this little dance in this aquarium thing. It doesn't really matter. But the conversation I think is worth reading. There's no clearer way to point out exactly where Storm is. And death is kind of like, he's talking about being like the concept of death rather than a character who causes death, which is usually how the horsemen are portrayed. Right. Death says, you do not fear me. 
And Storm says, no. And Death says, do you desire me? <laughs> Storm says, straight into the point. I admire that. The other sword bearers of your host have tasted death many times. Meaning, yeah, it's Krakoa. Everybody dies and gets resurrected. <laughs> In many ways, but not you. And now that I think about it, let's go through the list. Cypher, dead for many years. Ileana, mm -hmm. dead for many years. Mm -hmm. Wolverine has died. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess Gorgon probably hasn't. But Yeah, Gorgon probably hasn't. Cable has, I mean, he killed his older self. Yeah, so he that's kind of, <laughs> kind so of that's like a thing. Uh, <laughs> He's a time traveler. It's, uh. it's uh, yeah, it's what it is. And Betsy has died. Betsy has died. I think Brian has died. He, he's been lost in the time stream. <laughs> Which is basically the same. Yeah. Apocalypse, you could kind of say that, you know, he gets defeated and has to go and is rejuvenated. Uh, no, he's, he's straight up died. Never mind. There you go. So, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. They've, yeah. Storm has become a vampire. She has, <laughs> <laughs> she's been buried alive as a child, living, growing up in the streets of Cairo. She's been a goddess. She's been a queen, but she hasn't. She's been a child thief. Yeah. Died? That's impressive. She's been right? de-aged down to a child. She's been depowered. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. But she hasn't died yet. <laughs> that's as a superhero to to be a character for 50 years and not die. That's very impressive. Yeah, even Spider-Man's died. <laughs> Man. Go Storm. So yeah, it may, uh, not you. And she says, you're wrong. I know death. Death says, I meant no offense. She's like, it's fine. None taken. I've been dancing with you my entire life. First as a girl living on the streets and later as the leader of the X-Men, a role that taught me how to sway death. So I neither fear nor desire you, but I know you. And this is as close as I will allow you. And you're just like, bro. <laughs> bro. And like on top of that, it's standing by her side. Not like, yeah. not in her embrace. And holding not hands. His embrace. Yeah. yeah, only ever <laughs> holding hands. And you're just like, ooh. Okay, Storm. Yes. Like, so something that I love about the writers of the mutant titles that have Storm is they never forget that she is a capable woman outside of her powers. Yeah. That has been the, like, one intrinsic characteristic that I feel like no one has forgotten yeah. about Storm. Totally. Plenty of people forget this about other characters all the time, but they never forget that about Storm. Absolutely. A hundred percent true. And, but with her powers, it's, it completely changes her perception of the entire world because she feels the weather as a sense around her. She understands, you know, like so cool. So the dinner starts and war drops some sort of something poison in Wolverine's sushi. He doesn't notice. He goes up and stabs Saturnine. Turns out that's what he was talking about. That's what he was up to yeah. this whole time. We end the issue with him sticking all six of his claws through Santonine's body. It's impressive. It's like, oh, well, oh. <laughs> so that's the end of the issue. And we move on to another issue of Marauders. Back to back. Very interesting. It opens with one of those all text exposition dumps that the Hickman era is so famous for. And it says, after Logan murdered Saturnite in her own home, chaos erupted. And it goes on and it tells you 
everything, you know, just like a full future, a full history, right? Like fierce three-way battle between the forces of Saturnine and Krako Krakoas at the Starlight Citadel plumbing from the clouds. Magic managed to teleport the Krakoans home, but with the external gate closed, blah, 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 blah. Three days and nights, the mutants waged war on each other. Iraqi were reinforced constantly from the gate. Tens of thousands of mutants were slaughtered before the call for help was made. So anyway, telepathic mind bomb, hundreds of mutants' higher brain functions erased, including Moira. Krakoa issued a stress call that was answered by the Avengers, Fantastic, Four, and Asgard. They all fought against uh, Amenth and lost. At first, you're like... What the fuck? Why aren't you showing me this? Why are you doing this off panel? And then you're like, oh, this is not sticking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the time no, by the time you get to the um like, Avengers the second or, lost, you're like, oh wait. <laughs> I th- I th- even before that, like by the time you're at like mutant you know, war and Kirkoans are falling, telepathic mind bomb, you're like, okay. You would show me this. Yeah. You yeah, would put this. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't off screen this if it was important. Yeah. Telepathic mind bomb is when I started to be like, wait. And <laughs> yeah. then I get to the next next paragraph and it's like all the other heroes lost. And I'm like, oh. You're you're hold, doing the thing. Hold, you're doing you you're doing you 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 you. And then, <laughs> and then the next page you have a Basically, Doctor Strange getting flung from the Sanctum Sanctorum on fire and dying. And you're like, okay, not 616. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Wolverine crucified on an X watching the whole thing happen. And then Saturnine stabs him with six claws. <laughs> and turns out this is all just a vision that she gave him. Straight what up. would happen if he actually did what he said he was what he was trying to do she says yeah sit back down before your food gets cold oh my gosh yeah that like but like that level of power from saturnine real quick yeah just like because we discussed last last time that she's a human she's with a human. like extreme magic abilities yes like that is some next level well being in control of other worlds she and this being a magical place like she has yeah. and i think this was all just like uh, this didn't happen. This is just a right. mental, you know, yeah. a vision that she gave to Wolverine of what would happen if if he stabbed her like he was trying. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is some next level psychic attack shit. She yeah. read his mind before he actually went to go do it, gave him this entire history lesson of what's going to happen, yeah. and then brought it back and just said, sit down. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, Lord. <laughs> And then, and then right after, Storm's like, Logan? And he's like, it's not happening, bye. He's like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, ridiculous. Anyway, Logan goes to sit back down and Doug eats Logan's poison sushi. Logan smells it immediately, by the way. Yeah, but he doesn't have time. He doesn't catch Cypher before it's down the hatch. And Cypher starts choking. Throat is closed, can't breathe, and Iska stabs him a nice little air pathway through the trachea. He gets healed up by White Sword, and White Sword is pissed. Mm-hmm. The honor. Yes. And, you know, this is a weapon of the Craven, and White Sword will not be party to cowardice. He says, 
I release you of any obligation to me. (laughs) Yeah. So it's kind of implied. I don't know if it's ever specifically said, but it's implied that White Sword's healing ability makes you his like zombie slave. Yeah. Yeah. He brings you back. Yeah. Like the first thing he says after yeah. he he lets Cypher die, brings him back immediately, and he's like, I release you like of you know any obligation. And you're like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when you get that first kind of hint. Yeah, because he's choking on this like blue foam coming out of his mouth, and then he gets healed by a white sword, and there's black oil running out of his mouth, nose, and eyes. Yeah. You're like that's different from what was happening before. Right. Anyway, a scine between Brian and Saturnine. Death is offended that there is a sacred scarab beetle being served and turns one of the servers, one of the waiters, into ash. And so Wolverine eats it just to freak him out. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there is like Gorgon still sizing people up. There's a little exchange between him and White Sword because White Sword has that resurrection ability. And Gorgon just says, Tell me, White Sword, would you ever be able to resurrect yourself? And White Sword says, ha, I have no idea, and I'll never know. (laughs) You're like, ooh. (laughs) There's an awkward conversation between Cable and Apocalypse and Genesis. They basically tell him he's too young to have any sort of conversation with them. (laughs) And it's just like Cable grew up, like, I feel like they're kind of forgetting or not really exploiting the fact that Cable hates apocalypse grew up in a reality dominated by apocalypse came back to the future or game came back to the present to 616 initially his original mission was to kill apocalypse to stop him from taking over the world that he grew up in but that that cable is already old man cable so but is there an argument that this cable hasn't had enough hatred of apocalypse for that to be an issue i don't know because they also did those prequel stories when cable was a kid they did two miniseries in the 90s the adventures of cyclops and phoenix where scott and gene went to the future to raise baby cable to just about the age kid cable is now a miniseries called Ascani's Son, which happens not long after that. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, they're fighting against the forces of apocalypse and strife, yada, yada, yada. So I think he's pretty anti-apocalypse by this point, pretty set in his in his hatred and his his mission here. But anyway, or maybe not the mission to go back to the present, obviously, but born into war, yada, yada, yada. They have odds here on everyone's chances of survival. The best odds go alone to Iska the Unbeaten. She gets two to one odds to survive. And then Annihilation gets second best odds at three to one. Among the Krakoans, Apocalypse has best odds at five to one. And then White Sword has six to one. Ten to one is Bay the Blood Moon, who we haven't talked much about yet. But she's coming. And then a few different characters have 20 to 1 odds. Gorgon, Pogger, Pog, and Wolverine. You know how much of a badass Wolverine is? He only <laughs> has he's on par with Logan. 20 Gorgon. to 1 odds to survive this. 30 to 1 is Brian and Betsy. 40 to 1 is Summoner Solemn or Solemn. 
50 to 1 are Storm, Magic, and Death. And War. 100 to 1 is Cable and Red Root. 5,000 to 1 is Cypher. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Big oof, big yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then they have a whole series of Cable and Magic putting Iska's mutant ability to the test. Yeah. Which was fun. Pin the tail on Pogger Pog, stacking a uh, champagne glass tower, mm. uh, and then uh, the shell game, the cup game. <laughs> Magic being like, imagine what would happen if she fought Domino, which is kind of true, but like, yeah, I think Domino would probably lose. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then Cable's just quietly, I'm not looking forward to fighting you. <laughs> There's an interesting conversation here between death and red root. Death is because the whole apocalypse survival of the fittest thing, right? Like Araco, the Iraqi mutants have been like, especially Genesis and even towards apocalypse have been like, you're all soft, you're weak, you have right. these emotions, etc. And so red root is kind of thinking like, look at them and wonder if they grew on a better world than ours. If we'd set roots on Krakoa, we would have grown the sun and what would have happened basically. Is there strength in what they have or is there something preferable, etc.? And on we go. Yeah. And then they declare that the first battle is going to be to the death between Iska and Betsy. Yes. And real quick. And then we go to an issue of Excalibur. And real quick, we have an aside, Jubilee and Shogo are hanging out in the forest with the priestesses of the green, who we mentioned on the last Dawn of X podcast. Basically, they are soldiers of Otherworld who kind of have their own say in what they do to protect the Starlight Citadel. And Jubilee gets like half of a conversation, a telepathic conversation from Betsy saying like, here's what's going on. There's a citadel, you know, there's a duel going on and, you know, we might need help. But, you know, if you don't hear from me by, by noon, yeah, then come give some backup with your dragon baby here. <laughs> yeah, here we go. The fight starts and <laughs> fight starts. Betsy hits her with her side shield and this goes like, all right. And then attacks her twice and wins. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically such a, it's... swings her sword. <laughs> shatters the starlight Betsy's sword. starlight sword and then the rest of betsy shatters with it and she breaks into stained glass essentially yeah and saturnine sweeps up the shards and takes her away and just three pages later that round one done yep that's it okay and then they announced that cypher is next <laughs> yeah cypher is gonna fight bay Bay, whose mutant power is like the, the, was it the doom word or whatever? Yes. So her speech bubbles are square instead of circles, and it's always within the, two brackets. Yeah, the angle brackets, which usually connote translation. Yeah. And she's like speaking, and Cypher is like, wait, what is she saying? I, I can't understand her, which is extreme because Cypher's mutant ability is to translate all language. So yep. like, and, and then he says, can anyone else understand her? And it's clear that they can. 
And she says something else. And he says, nothing. That's fascinating. I can understand the others, but not you. I've never seen anything like it. Say something else. And she says something else. And then they get separated. She says, do not shine the light of your sweet face on me and expect pity. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, wait. They take her. uh, They get separated. And he says, wait, I want to understand her. Yeah. (laughs) Which is exactly me in like every Mass Effect game where like an alien starts shooting at me i'm like stop it i just want to learn about your culture oh my gosh (laughs) i don't want to fight (laughs) you're hilarious um (laughs) so we get after that we get this kind of breakdown of what her immune ability actually is yeah it kind of has two halves basically she can use her mutant voice to do a loud concussive force blast like a very 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 low-key black bolt (laughs) you're right (laughs) and then her voice also translates basically into any language that the well hearer understands not quite it creates a psychic they described as a near psychic connection that makes her understood by all who hear her speak. Yeah. So she's not speaking any sort of rationalized language. She just kind of opens her mouth and makes noises. And yeah. the sort of like mutant power urgency of her voice communicates without language to the hearer. But because of that, she never actually learned how to speak any real languages. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so Doug, whose mutant power is to translate, can only hear her voice and not the psychic connection. Yeah, she's and just so, saying, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> what are you saying? This is just fascinating. Like, everyone else can understand you, but not me. Yeah. <laughs> that was really cool. That is super cool. Yeah, and the, so, yeah, the last sentence is, her words are not a true language and cannot be translated for Doug, which is hilarious and wild (laughs) yeah and so a bunch of the uh women servants at the starlight citadel the i think the white priestesses or whatever start giggling and they take doug away and they take his jacket off and they put these like robes and a crown of flowers on his head and magic comes and and starts to it's just like doug says i don't know why they're dressing me up i can't fight in this it's just you can't fight at all <laughs> it's just like what are you all doing that what's going on it's just like we don't know am i gonna die i don't know none of this no one knows but all of a sudden it seems very possible so would you come to tell me i came to see if you're okay and it seems like you're getting a makeover so i guess i'll go and so she says it doesn't really look like another duel. Maybe more dinner? <laughs> dinner? Bay's going to hunt me for sport and serve me? Or I'm going to serve her? And it's like, I mean, they brought in a cake. They brought a cake? Oh, God, Ilyana, Bay isn't going to kill me. And then she's at the end of an altar, and she's got a veil on. And there are people with bouquets of flowers and all of the Krakoan and... Iraqi mutants are in pews on opposite sides, and it's a fucking wedding. <laughs> I just, uh, uh. <laughs> and here's where you start to realize, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, how is this? How what? Yeah, what was the whole point of him getting a warlock sword? What was the whole point of any of of this? Like, 
this whatever is going on with these games with this tournament it's not what we expected it to be right because you have all of the buildup of the sword the sword bearers getting their swords and you have your first battle which goes about how what's expected (laughs) and all of a sudden all of your expectations are massively subverted the second fight isn't even a fight it's a wedding it's a wedding and they go through with the ceremony yeah they both get points and you know they honestly like doug kind of falls for her it's like you're so pretty um and then shogo the dragon attacks because jubilee didn't hear back from betsy because she's in a million pieces and that's you know being a magic dragon this kind of bad news and so saturnine ensorcels shogo and takes him under her control and Bay goes to rescue Doug from the dragon fire and smooches him in the face and seems like there's a real thing here. This is an arranged marriage, but all of a sudden there is there is an actual attraction, some real affection here between the two. <laughs> yep. And then because Satanine gets a dragon out of this and there's a happy couple she's like all right points to both sides <laughs> points to both sides so it's a rocco to krakoa one for yeah. whatever reason for whatever reason um i <laughs> <laughs> after that issue i was kind of upset like i don't know i i i didn't know the depths of the fuckery yet and right. so i always enjoy having my expectations fucked with yeah. But, you know, there's also room for just a big, straightforward tournament fight story. Like, right. I'm thinking specifically of like Immortal Iron Fist. Immortal Iron Fist or even a World War Hulk. Sure. Just give me a gladiatorial arena and let's sort this out like a true tournament. Would have right. been intense. It we would probably would have lost. Like, there, there yeah. would have. <laughs> yes. The. the Hickman, I'm not sure if Hickman can introduce a weak character. <laughs> <laughs> and he has all of Krakoa and he's like, I, I don't know nah, if any me- of them are going to be <laughs> yeah. able to put up a large enough fight for these people that I want to introduce. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so like maybe that's his out, I guess, is he's going to have two of them marry each other. And this still felt like more scaffolding to me, like more pieces of the puzzle being built. But it wasn't this one that really like completely shattered my expectations of what was going, what the hell was going on in this. It was the next one. Okay. Yeah. So battle fight number three. This is what, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I was just like, yeah. what's happening? Cause I've got yeah. one battle and I've got one non-battle. Let's just go through. Okay. And then you have Perger Perg. Oh, wait, no, it was the one after this one. Pogger Pog. Yeah. You have Pogger Pog fighting. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Fighting yeah. magic. They start to clash swords cause they're ready to fight. And they're in this giant Coliseum. Yeah. It's this yeah. is this is what I'm looking for. And and <laughs> it's in the floating kingdom of Roma and everything's upside down in the first panel, including the dialogue balloon, which is awesome. Yeah, I love when they do that kind of stuff. Right. But everything else is right side up, which is yeah. good for being able to read it. And then Satchel 9 pulls their swords out of their hands. So Ponger Park 
Pog for this for the sake of reminding you guys. He's basically a giant lizard crocodile wearing a giant red jacket of giant rock arms. Like yeah. he's something out of like a 90s cartoon that you would have gotten yeah. from like He-Man Masters of the Universe or something. He, yeah, yeah. He's he's large, he's a he's dinosaur shaped, he's got large rock arms. It's like if Goro and oh way back. <laughs> So Here we go. the first series of Beast Wars, before they did Megatron as a T-Rex, they did Megatron as that crocodile. Oh, right. Uh-huh. It looks like that if you put giant arms on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's like if Goro and first-gen Beast Wars Megatron. There you go. Fused. Okay. Anyway, so Saturnine's like, stay your swords. This is a contest of arms. And they ha- she has them walk up to a podium and they do an arm wrestling contest. Now, Pogger Pog <laughs> is like 10 times the size of magic. His arm is the size of magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they grab each other's hands and I'm sitting there and I'm like, maybe magic will do some fuckery. Right. And this is how my expectations will be subverted. And then Pogger Pog just destroys her in this competition and borderline breaks her arm yeah. And now it's a Rocco 3 Kakoa. It one. lasts one panel, not even one panel. Yeah. There's no struggle. It's she does the countdown and Pogger Pog immediately wins. And 3 1 Rocco. Yeah. And then next you have Summoner versus Wolverine. And I think yes. this is the one you're talking about. Yeah. And this is, yes, this is. And this is in the realm of Blight Spoke which is this really cool, trippy sort of like sci-fi realm where everything is decaying. It's sort of like the trash heap of realities, all of the decaying realities. Yeah, all of the dying realities end up here. Yeah. Such a cool idea. Yeah, yeah right? Especially because it happens at the Nexus of all realities. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So they fight and it looks really cool. Just like all sorts of fantastic art to portray their struggle and all these weird crazy divergent styles and it's abstract it's weird and finally wolverine's sword goes through summoner's eye oh and part of the thing about blight spoke is that it erodes the things there everything there kind of gets broken down by its state and so you know you've got somebody whose power is invulnerability and somebody whose power is a healing factor and who who survives something like this because they're you know kind of fighting the area around them in addition to each other wolverine puts a sword through summoner's eye and he falls over dead and <laughs> uh, he says all right witch i won now let, get me the hell out of this carnival and saturnine says i said it was a fight to the death summoner fought to the death <laughs> the point goes to Araco. at this point i'm like oh it's mario party you know like you get a point for not having for not having as many points you get a point for turning left here instead of turning right like it's it's just kind of random yeah okay given these subverted expectations part of me doesn't even want to go through every single match i do because i i mean we don't have to go through any of them in detail but like the next one is a drinking contest between wolverine and storm and that's just it's great i I love their relationship they have one of the best yeah but what they're drinking is particularly crazy and potent and it removes mutant powers and that becomes relevant later yeah okay oh the line here though 
because it's a contest between two Krakoan members, they're assured the point. They drink the whole bottle down anyway. Storm says, feel kind of funny, a little empty. He says, a little tickly around the edges too, or maybe that's just you making me tickly. Storm says, watch your mouth, you dirty old flirt, or I'll tell Gene. And this was one of, <laughs> like, I didn't know that their relationship status was public knowledge on Krakoa. Uh, like, yeah. I thought that they just, like, hooked up in a hot tub and it was, like, a big scandal. Like, it was going to be <laughs> right. a big scandalous thing. <laughs> yeah, the hot tub scene. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. So that was like, oh, this is, people know about this. What the, okay. And then the next fight is Solem versus War. We find out, oh, Wolverine and Storm are about to kiss, by the way. And he gets teleported away. We learn what Wolverine promised Solem in the first act when he gave him the Muramasa blade. And it was, he promised him a fight. And it wasn't a fight against Solem. It was a fight in his stead. And so now it's Wolverine versus War. But Wolverine has had his powers removed, doesn't have his healing factor. And also, he just killed War's kid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of funny. I like Logan throughout this because he's pretty level-headed. Yeah. So, like, so Solem's about to get away because he's going to have Logan fight for him. He's like... Uh, I know you're not keen on a revenge war. Yes, I killed. I know you're keen on revenge. Yes, I killed your husband a century ago. But if I'm not mistaken, Wolverine here just killed your son. And War's <laughs> like, is this true? Logan's <laughs> just like, summoner? You're summoner's old lady? Fuck, man. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, begin your blades. The first to sever an appendage wins. That's tough against Logan because he's got adamantium bones. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have his healing factor. Mm. He still wins. He still wins. He cuts off a hand. Very phase two MCU. <laughs> so, a Rocco 5, Krakoa 2. Krakoa gets their second win, finally. Wait, Krakoa? Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, because, sorry. A Rocco gets the point because Logan was fighting for Solemn. Solemn yeah. <laughs> gets the point. So, a Rocco 5, Krakoa 2. Krakoa got their second win when it was a contest between two Krakoans. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thankfully, well, I guess no, not yet. But we, so then we have another fight, which is basically a rematch between Pogger Pog and Magic. Yeah. And Krakoa gets its third point because she, she just kind of stands there and lets Pogger Pog swallow her whole. Turns out Pogger Pog isn't, <laughs> isn't, you know, the big crocodile dude. It's a, a weird, balding little imp orc thing <laughs> inside yeah, of... he's tiny. He's teeny tiny. And Magic says, I think I learned something new. The word pog, it means sword in Iraqi, I think. Your alligator, your alligator pajamas are one big sword. <laughs> yeah, which is like, that would have been more mind-blowing if Pogger Pog showed up without a sword. Right. That yeah. would have been way more cooler. Come on. By the me. way, I was kind of waiting for one of the characters because they all have these like fabled swords, right? These, these, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these swords that have some sort of like special meaning and are, are like multiversally important in some way or, or some deep lore around them. I was waiting for somebody to just be like, no, I'm just bringing a normal sword. It, it doesn't <laughs> matter. I'm the badass here. I don't need. <laughs> you know but yeah oh well 
So now Krakoa finally gets her third point. It's five to three. Yeah. And then the next page. Pogger isn't dead, though. No, he just lost. Yeah. The next page is what I was expecting at this point, Uh which is one page is four. Another page is five. All one scene of the next nine battles. Yes. (laughs) Or sorry, contests that are going on. None of which have a sword any sort of fighting at all and later we get a uh, we get the names of them. a rundown of what they're called yeah so we've already talked about the first seven number eight is torture endurance war versus cable avalon and gorgon and war wins next is the contest of boulders they do a sort of like sisyphus push mm-hmm. death iska and pogger pog versus magic Arako which is like wins. Three Iraqis, three Iraqi versus one Kirko. Like, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you get the sense that it's tilted. It's stacked. It's stacked. And there's kind of uh, some dialogue to that point. Like Saturnine is running up the score against Iraqo on purpose. For Iraqo. Yeah, for Iraqo, against Krakoa. The next is sort of like swimming in infested, dangerous sea creature waters it's called the battle beneath the waves and it's iska and the white sword versus gorgon araka wins the next is called the contest of plates it's eating gross food it's red root (laughs) versus cable brian braddock and cypher krakoa wins next is a dancing contest (laughs) and it's bayi and war versus cypher and wolverine Somehow, Araka wins, despite Cypher looking fabulous with his yeah, disco Cypher dancing. Yeah, Cypher looks like he's the one who's winning in this. Yep. So, annoying. again, you know, you can't trust these judges. Yeah. And then you've got Labyrinth Escape, sort of a maze contest. Redroot and Pogger Pog versus Brian Braddock and Storm. Point to Araka. It's now 10 to 4. And then they do Jigsaw. Yeah, they, they're doing Jigsaw puzzles. Red Root and War versus Storm and Wolverine. Somehow Araka wins that too. And so it's, yeah. Oh, no, wait, sorry. No, Krakoa. No, Jigsaw Puzzle is Gorgon, Gorgon and Magic. Gorgon and Magic versus Death and Krakoa wins. Krakoa wins that. Thank goodness. It's just so obnoxious. Yeah. Contest of Couture is next. And it's Red Root and War versus Storm and Wolverine. And yeah, and to that's your a point, fashion, that's a fashion contest, right? Yeah. Somehow it looks that's what it looks like. They're walking the runway and they have Storm. Nobody should it. ever beat Storm in a fashion contest. And somehow Araka wins this. There's one impeccably dressed mutant. Is that the last one that they showed? No, Blight Spoke Navigation. Blight Spoke Navigation. So that's Iska versus Cable and Magic. Another point to Araco. It's now 12 to 5. So you kind of get a sense of what's going on here. This is, this is outrageous. By the way, we're still getting nine more contests after this. <laughs> yeah. This is nauseating. <laughs> <laughs> and and everything, fan. yeah, everything is just silly and ridiculous. And then the next one is the foot race foot race through the crooked market and Captain Avalon. So Brian Braddock versus Red Root. 
but Saturnine is scheming. And once again, you see that she is not just the um, in charge of what the contest is, but, you know, manipulating the events themselves. And so they ha- she has these weird sort of techno bot things from one of the Ten Kingdoms of Otherworld attack Brian and go in a crazy fight while Redroot just gets to walk right past. But Redroot knocks a like a jeweled thing, a glass curio off of a stack of dishware. And Mad Jim Jasper says everything has a cost in the market. That comes up later, but Arako still gets the point and gets through the market before pinned down Brian can. Arako 13, Krakoa 5. And then it's a matter of your debt. Mad Jim Jaster says, oh, were you not aware that you shattered a rare crystal idol of bamboo crafted from the salt of an Ubagonian <laughs> princess's tears? How much did it cost? It was priceless. So she gets yeah. shrunken <laughs> down and put in a glass case. And now she is for sale in the market. Quick aside, Redroot seemed to be the obvious counterpart for a fight for Cypher. And you kind of like in my head, I was like, okay, so who's fighting who of these champions? Like, right. And like really pairing them off. Like, okay, obviously Apocalypse versus Genesis, right? They've set up like Storm versus Death. uh, Although Wolverine has been Death Horseman before. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That would have been interesting. Yeah. And, And it's like, okay. So Gorgon has to fight two. Is that like maybe Pog or Pog and like, you know, Bay mm-hmm. or something? Cause they have the least setup or like all this stuff. And, and nope, it's just absolute chaos. Like I was thinking Ileana and White Sword might be it. Cause they're, I don't know. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We could have had an actual battle and, and or Ileana, crazy Ileana shit. versus Iska might have been the one. And mm-hmm. then Cable versus White Sword. They already set up Wolverine versus Solem, so I guess that leaves Brian and Betsy have war, and <laughs> they would have gotten rocked by the yeah. Horsemen. Although maybe Betsy would be Iska. They kind of have a similar thing going. Anyway, it's what it is. I guess, yeah, yeah. So that race ends with Brian getting knocked into another vendor and having an incalculable yeah. debt that Saturnine is like, you know, I could help your deck. You just have to ask for my help. Yep. And it's just like, ugh, you're such like, that's Saturnine's true colors coming out in this entire match. This entire contest is literally because of her and Brian. Yeah. There's also a, a, an aside here, an exposition page, and it's notes between Major Domo and Mojo in the Mojoverse yeah. talking about how to adapt this all to television. I love it. Yeah. That was hilarious. a lot of fun. Yeah. But also like, wow, Mojo's surveillance goes deep. <laughs> yeah, seriously. All the way from the Mojoverse to the other world world is a hell of a surveillance tool. And then lucky us, the next two pages, we get four more contests because they're ridiculous. Yeah. A spelling contest. Magic loses because she misspells the word magic. Which is kind of funny. Oh no, it's a riddle, 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 not spelling, but still, yeah. And then Wolverine and White Sword look in a mirror and it says, you will see the faces of all you have killed. The first to look away loses. So take in the vast cemetery of lives you have reaped. Take them all in and don't even blink. And Wolverine has tears streaming down his eyes, which, oh, buddy, Logan. Right. Good, yeah, good guy, that, Logan. That was, like, that's, that's what makes Logan Logan, though. Yes, that half page 
yeah. like spoke volumes about Logan and I'm okay with us yes. losing the point there. <laughs> yeah. But it's 15 to five Araco. It's 15 to five. It's freaking ridiculous. And then, yeah, the next one is... What are we dealing with here? These are the rock sirens of Clevermore. If you can resist, call. Let's get out of here. I think Gordon Gorgon's going to fuck that boulder. And he's tearing and his robes off. Gorgon, like, what? <laughs> why? Why just, Gorgon? It, it's, it's just... Why Gorgon? You know, it's just funny. It's it, it, Sure, but, like, they have, like, you have... They've, 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 they've subverted what they've set up so far at this point that they can do pure comic relief. They can just have it be silly and slapstick. Like they've, they've already set the tone of this and it's not, I think this is also very Hickman. There's, there's definitely a, a deep Hickman of like, oh, you thought we were going to be serious. No, we're all the way slapstick right now. Like Manhattan projects was very much that way. And yeah. like the, the toggling back and forth between those. But anyway, Captain Avalon versus war. The task is kill a kitten. And, uh, <laughs> and in a contest of sort, like, how is that not doable? Kill the damn cat. Like I love no. cats and I, and, you're already and, down 11 points. Anyway, this is dumb. This is dumb. Anyway, anyway, it's 17 to 5, Araka's lead. Yeah. And then Storm is passed out from the drinking contest still. Death approaches and says, you asked me to dance once. Now it is my turn. Death is asking you to dance. And they're in the kingdom of Sevalith, which is like a vampire place. Pretty freaking cool looking. And uh, she says, I can't fight. I can barely stand. She says, oh, but you must unless you choose to forfeit by the goddess. No fucking way. And so the fight begins. So this is a battle to first blood. First one to draw blood wins. And this is when Storm figures out that she does not have her powers. Yep. But as always, let me make something perfectly clear. My powers aren't what makes me powerful. And so she shatters his sword with hers and he's like, this has gone on long enough and takes off his mask and he has this like death sight and she holds up her sword, reflects it like a mirror, covers her eyes and stabs him in the gut. So awesome. Yeah, (laughs) so he has. Well, he's bleeding, isn't he? (laughs) And all of the vampires come and just tear him to shreds and eat him. Have a taste. So wild. So wild. He looked like a horseman of the apocalypse, guys. Yes. <laughs> a horseman of the apocalypse. Death specifically. Yes. Who, traditionally, death is typically the strongest of the four. Yes. A depowered storm is just like, sup. Like, I get that she didn't overpower him, but she outfought him. Yes. <laughs> and, and also so drunk she can barely stand. So drunk she can barely stand. No powers. At Storm, man. He has this death gaze and she's just like, use it on yourself, thanks. And then she freaking stabs him in the gut and is like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Eat your fill vampires. Yes. Oh, 17 to 6. Krakoa finally gets a point again. Yep. And uh, now we're back to Hellions. Oh, and this is where we get the Hellion stuff. So we, we come to the Hellions. They finally made their way all the way through Otherworld to the gate to Amenth uh, or to Araco. You know, they had the 
like eat the horses or no, they had to barter away the horses in order to make it there. They're out of supplies. They're out of food. They are ragged. They're ragged as hell. (laughs) Havoc lost an eye. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they get there and turns out, oh, no, you're way too late. The contest of champions is well underway. <laughs> Poor fools. Who sent you on this dullard's era? Sinister. And turns out that Sinister's whole thing was not to stop the contest. It was to collect genetic material from Iraqi mutants. And a bunch of really gross, misshapen Iraqi mutants gathered around this new character, Tarn the Uncaring, who is a, known as the geno- the great genomic mage, has kind of turned all of these other characters into sort of, he's able to like corrupt, he thinks music in Adam's dance, he's able to corrupt genes and DNA from others. And he has these five sort of thralls with him. Mother Rapture, Hex Butcher, Sick Bird, Mudgear the Recanter, and Amino Fetus. Just, just gross. <laughs> this is when typically Hickman throws in one character that is like self-explanatory, like Pog yeah. or Pog. Right. But he didn't do that here. And I was, sub- and like, it, I get that we're in this phase of subverting expectations, but like, how dare you <laughs> not give, like, that guy's name should have just been, like, Fetus. <laughs> right. And then his explanation should have just been Fetus. <laughs> but they had to set up one thing, which is that he must not eat. Yes. Anyway, Sinister has hearts in his eyes, these absolutely disgusting, misshapen characters. And he's just like, they're beautiful. And he launches all of these mini insect drones to go collect their genetic material nanny gets shot in half and it's an empty suit of armor question mark well yeah she okay okay this issue she hasn't said anything oh when they go come through that portal she's got a giant oh she does say something she's got a giant dent in her head right but yeah she does have one speech bubble but she gets taken out with the quickness yeah and like and as again, soon as that happens, I guess it didn't happen. It didn't happen on Otherworld, right? It happened in Araco. They're through the Dryador Gate, so they're not in Otherworld anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but isn't that no? I guess I guess they had that first fight in Otherworld. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. So forgetting that detail, <laughs> <laughs> I thought this is how they're going to write off the bads, basically. Right. Just kill them in Otherworld and. Like, we can't bring them back or they come back changed. Like, right. I thought that's what we were going to do here because, yeah, yeah, Nanny is halved. Yeah. Havoc gets his hands cut off. It's yep. brutal. Gray Crow gets something. And, yeah, it's just a, an absolutely brutal battle. Orphan Maker gets his arms torn off by Amino Fetus mm-hmm. and then tries to eat the arm or tries to eat the rest of Orphan Maker. Everyone's like, no, you can't let him eat. That's scary. Sinister's like, just about done. Here, this must make it back to Krakoa. Go now. Sends Revanche. And Revanche is trying to argue. And he says, you take care of this package and I'll continue taking care of yours. That's the deal, isn't it? So, yep. The package he's talking about, that's the little kid from the Fallen Angels series, right? I assume so. Yeah. 
Anyway, basically, Wild Child sacrifices himself, just dives at the these weirdos to give Grey Crow and Havoc enough time to escape. And everybody gets out. Yeah. Wild Child gets obliterated and yep. you just like you just hear his dying screams in the background kind of a thing. Yeah. And Sinister has this makeshift cape. <laughs> the genomic mage guy, Vile, is like, what an odd creature you are. <laughs> Sinister says, hey, I'm already insecure about the cape. I don't need you throwing it in my... F-. And and then he gets cut into pieces as well. Yeah, he says, touched by brilliance, mutilated by madness. This I would admire, but you stole from me. So the flaw becomes tragic, tragic indeed, and just tears him apart. Like, cuts him up like he's going to put him in a box to mail. Yeah. And then they get back to Otherworld. They're in Avalon. They're almost at the gate. They're trying to get through, and Empath you know, messes with the minds of the priests who are priests who are keeping them from going through. <laughs> Grey Crow says, Manuel, you did it. You're you're a genius. Basically pretending to be under empath's thrall again, even though he isn't, stabs him in the guts and says, You you can't mess with us. You gotta, you know, make it back with us to Krakoa, or else we're all gonna be um dead in other worlds, scrambled up, yada yada yada. So they make it back to Krakoa. Sinister releases a smoke bomb and kills all of them. Yeah, everyone that makes it back to Krakoa. Yep. So that they don't remember what happened. Yep. Just plans within plans within wheels within wheels. Yep. And this is the clone Sinister. And so he uh, smears blood all over himself and then yells like, there's been an attack. The Hellions, they're dead. So that's Sinister for Which you. Just to be expected, I guess. Right. Yep. Getting through it, part 19, Cable. Yeah, we basically, we've got what's left of the Quiet Council, having a meeting with Sinister, reporting back on everything. We, we go back to Otherworld and we have, it's Bay versus Cable. And I believe it's supposed, to, it's uh, first to yield for a win. Oh, no, it's for, yeah, first to die. Unlike yeah. fight to the death, it's the, it's the first death. And you have Cable fighting Bay, Cable getting the upper hand. And he, for a second, looks over at Doug Cypher, who, remember, this is the, his newlywed. And he pauses. Bay then gets the upper hand, breaks him, breaks his arm, yeah. his sword-carrying arm. And then he begs. He begs for his dad. Yeah. He just said, yeah, he just says dad in, like, this really broken voice. Yeah. So Doug is able to stop Bay from killing him, but Saturnine rules that some deaths are of the spirit point to Arako. So now Arako is 18, Krakoa 6. Yep. The reason why this is important is because after the battle and we see Cable has lost all will to fight, he makes a psychic call to Gene, who is with Cyclops and kind yeah. of has a little... All the way to Krakoa, all the way yeah. to... Earth 616. Through reality. <laughs> Through reality. This is, you know, two two of the most powerful telepaths there are, plus intense familial connection. Mm-hmm. Barely able to make a, a, a psychic connection like this. But they do it, and Cable gives them the update. You know, we're going to lose. It won't even be close. It's not a fair fight. It's like the witch wants to run up the score against us for some reason. Right now, we're down 18 to 6. 
Yeah. The panel right before that, Jean says, like, I can feel your hurt. And I only just noticed this time that mm. she's looking at her arm that oh, is yeah. broken on cable. Oh, that's a uh, good so point. That was, that was a nice little touch. Yeah. Artistic touch. Cable also says, I should have been the other guy for this. Things would be different. Yeah. Meeting older Cable. Old man Cable old willing man to C- kill. Right. Because it sounds like this Cable hasn't killed other than himself. Yeah. And the, I guess, the Space Knights. Yeah, I, there's a lot I don't understand about Kid Cable. Like, I get that you you can't be beholden to 90s continuity when you're basically introducing this character new. But, you know, having read that, I'm having trouble squaring the circle. He doesn't make a whole lot of sense yet. Yeah. I'm waiting for him to figure out his place in 616. Yeah. So they, Scott asks, who hurt you? And Cable says, I forget her name, but it was Doug's large wife. <laughs> They're so confused. Look on her face what like, the what fuck? the fuck? <laughs> what is happening over there? <laughs> Cable says, you, you guys need to prepare for war. They're going to invade. And Saturnite says, I, I've tolerated this spying for long enough, I think. Snaps her fingers, severs the connection. And remember, Scott lost him as a baby to Apocalypse. Apocalypse infected him with techno-organic virus. An Ascani sister from the future jumped in and said, hey, I can take him to the future where we have a cure for this and save him. But you're never going to see him again. And so, you know, lost him, got him back, lost him, got him back, lost him, got him back, blah, blah, blah. Can- says, I can't lose him again, Gene. And so... Yes. Can we just acknowledge that Fucking the badass for everything that makes Cyclops a badass. Yeah. At his softest, he just wants to be a dad. Right. He he just like he's oh my so gosh. traumatized by his own upbringing, being an orphan at a young age. That and and you know that growing up in Mister Sinister's orphanage, I can imagine that's an extra level of trauma. <laughs> yeah. That like you know he. Yeah, having a family, having this this stable nuclear family is, is really the only thing that can settle him. Yeah. And like, I just so... Of course, he's read, walked away from it for a, a few a couple of times. <laughs> you've read the Cable stuff. Yeah. Also, like in Second Coming, when Hope is born. Right. And Cable has to take Hope away into the time stream to save her from Bishop. And Cyclops, while at the time he's he's with Emma, and like he's up in the middle of the night building a crib in like a, a an extra room that he has set up for this baby for when uh-huh. the hope baby comes back. And and Emma's like, it's not even a guarantee that they're gonna come back as a kid, yeah, like, or as a baby. Like right. you, you're 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 working yourself to the bone for nothing. And like yeah. you don't even get to you can't even see Scott's eyes because they shoot optic blasts but there's so much pain in his yes. face of yes. just like he wants to just be a dad and like help usher in the next generation of mutants and make a paradise for the next gen like yeah he, just this this trauma uh, of his childhood is so strong that all he can all he can do is is try and make a better childhood for somebody else yeah so they basically, that scene was important to give Gene and Scott the drive and desire to put an end to this bullshittery that yep. has become this damn contest. So yeah, score is 18 to 6. And then we have the penultimate contest. Yeah. It's Gorgon versus the White Sword to the death. 
Ward Sword says, you will fa face me after you make it through my swords, all 100 of them. And he calls the first one, Gorgon slices his head off. He calls the next two, Gorgon cuts their legs off, dives, cuts their legs off, and then stabs them in the heart with his two swords. <laughs> he says, bravo, four, five, and six. Gorgon takes off his mask, turns two of them into stone, but the third one gouges his eyes out while he stabs the guy in the chest. White Sword says, excellent, send them all. And now, <laughs> this is 94 expert swordsmen who have been di fighting, dying, and being reborn for thousands of years every single day. And Gorgon's fighting them blindly. Gorgon is fighting them blindly all at once. They're all rushing him. He manages to take out 13, <laughs> seven more. Yeah. Under those conditions. Under those conditions. That's and you incredible. Have I really liked the three choices of cells at the end of who they show watching on when yeah. Gorgon's like, fine, let's do this. Because you've got magic where at the banquet, like they were commiserating and, you know, like basically bonding over war strategy. <laughs> yeah. And then you have Cable and Doug who are the, the innocents or the uh, spiritless right. of this group. Yeah. And you have... And all three of them look pained or horrified. And you have, then you have Apocalypse being like, yes, this is, this yeah. is how it should be. <laughs> so, and, and then, so Saturnine says, by my count, Gorgon has slain 13 of the White Swords champions, giving Krakoa a narrow lead of 19 to 18. So these all count for a point. Your face. <laughs> it's <You're> just... <sighs> And War says, curse you, finish him, White Sword, before he does any more damage, please. White Sword says, I was just waiting for you to grovel. Hold. <laughs> As the White Sword stands before you, Gorgon. Your life is slipping away. Gorgon says, so it is. And he looks all, like, emaciated. In a moment, it'll, it'll all be order. When it, uh, over. When it is done, I will restore you and you will serve me. He says, never. I walk my own path. I can impose my will, not over me. Ha, so be it. Stabs him through the heart. Yeah, and so now I don't know <laughs> what, what uh, is Gorgon gonna follow him after this. I don't. He's no. Who knows? I think White Sword respected that. Yeah, maybe. Hopefully, you don't see him restore him. You don't see him do the healing thing. Yeah. I think Gorgon and Betsy are the only two Krakoan mutants to have died on Otherworld. Right. Yes. And then we get the final contest. Well, and then Apocalypse just says. That is how a mutant dies, children. Yeah. Talking to the literal children on his team. <laughs> right. Doug, Cable, and, and Magic. Right. Just wild. And that's a point to Arako, so it evens the score. 19 to 19. 19, so we could have just gone to this fight at the very beginning and skipped <laughs> Don't 24 be salty. other contests. This was fun. Yeah. I just, I've spent so many weeks mentally building up <laughs> 10 of swords i know it's it's expectations it didn't it, yeah. happen yeah. if i was just going through this at my normal pace just coming up to it when i came up to it i would yeah. not have been this disappointed but i i built a bed of excitement and hype and i slept on the corner <laughs> <laughs> I was I was also looking forward to, you know, the grand tournament, the big stakes that but also like it would have felt kind of cheap to me to have Krakoa win that because I the way it was set up, like there wasn't winning like 
Right. You know, these these Iraqi mutants are insane. And well, so I saw it with Krakoa winning because Iska turned tides. Well, no spoilers. Sure. But like, I thought we were going to lose some key players. I See, thought we were going to lose some big names. I thought it was going to be 10 one-on-one battles. Yeah. And then nothing after that. Maybe if it's a tied, a tied at five to five, you have like one tiebreaker. I thought we were actually going to kill off some of these characters. And I was like, okay. oh my God. Yeah. I was nervous. Yeah. I mean, and then you get like, who has plot armor? Like, they're not going to kill Wolverine again. Yeah. Too soon. Too soon. And, and like, what? Storm. <laughs> I would have been real upset, but that is the shit that I would have expected. I am just so. I'm just done with character deaths in comics. Mm. It's just, it either has to be completely inconsequential, like they, they did on Krakoa normally, or you have to have no short or medium term plans to ever bring that character back. Agreed. Like, like a Bucky. Yeah. Or, or like the way that Doug or Ileana died the first time. Mm-hmm. There has to be consequences to, consequences to this. Like, 10 years, 20 years yeah. without this or like character. Even Colossus. Yeah. Colossus was dead like six, eight years, but yeah. Sometime. Sometime. <laughs> Crucially, both the, de- the death happened while I wasn't reading. And so I was like, oh man, Colossus is dead now. That's a big deal. But anyway. And I mean, even Nightcrawler, they brought him back well enough that it worked. Like, it was a thing for me. I didn't read it, so it's hard for me to, you know, I, I can't comment on that part of it. Yeah. But just, uh, it, it's just tiresome. I don't. I agree. When it's, when it's a big name, you know they're going to come back, and that's, that's what's kind of annoying. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a question of how they died. It's a question of how they're bringing them back. Yeah. And it's or like, like how they, oh, technically they didn't die, or, you know, was it real death, and they're going to have to have some cockamamie resurrection, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's, and so getting into this point where it's like, okay, so you're going to have to either undo this entire event in one fell swoop, or you're going to have to like find convoluted justifications for bringing back five different characters or, you know, however many mm-hmm. it's just, I felt like it was setting up something that I, I was going to be even more pissed off at later. <laughs> yeah. And so in that sense, I don't mind. I do think that Gorgon is going to stay dead for quite a while just because he's, yeah. Nobody writes him except for Hickman. It's true. It's he's, true. he's Hickman's a pet character for Hickman. And oh my Lord, is he awesome under Hickman's writing. Oh, yeah. And like, <laughs> I'm going to miss Gorgon. And that's a great feeling. Like Gorgon went out like a boss. And yeah. if this is the last I ever read of Gorgon for 10 years. Awesome. I, I like having that be the part because he's, a minor character all told. I know. Yeah. Betsy, they're going to bring Betsy back. I mean, she's the title character, not title character, but kind of, of the Excalibur title. Like Mm -hmm. she's, she's a big enough deal. They're, they're gonna, 
twist and turn. They've done so much character development on her recently, and it doesn't feel like her story is completely settled. She's got plot armor up the wazoo. She's coming back. You could kind of justify it. Well, she didn't really die. She was turned it, you know, she cracked into stained glass. So, okay, whatever you can, you can go through the hurdles and say she's coming back, but like Gorgon dead, dead. Oh yeah. He was introduced by Hickman in Secret Warriors. Yep. He was very much used in Hickman's Avengers run. And now he was on, he's hanging out with the Krakoans because apparently he's a mutant. I don't remember that part. (laughs) (laughs) And now he's dead. You know what? Round of applause for Gorgon, man. I'm I'm into it. Yeah. Full appreciation. I wanna I wanna give this moment it's due on the pod here. Pour one out for the homie. This was this was fantastic. Farewell yeah. to a fantastic character. I don't expect him back anytime soon, and I'm happy for it. Yeah, absolutely. So now we go to the final challenge. So final challenge is what is her name? Genesis slash annihilation versus apocalypse. Annihilation is the giant gold mask that Genesis is currently wearing. Gold mask is possessed by annihilation or is the manifestation of annihilation that is the ruler of a menth. But first we have an aside back on Krakoa. Now we're back on Krakoa and we have Scott and Jean basically being like, it's time. We we need to go get our people back. And specifically our son, even though it's not Jean's son, it's Madeline Pryor's son, but you know (laughs) what? But it's not even Scott's son either because he's died multiple times since then. (laughs) Yeah, depending on how you want to view cloning, clonage. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so they break down. So Gene and Scott approach the Quiet Council, give them basically the report they got from Cable. And they're like, I'm going to other. Scott's like, I'm going to other world to get my son back and bring back our people. I understand that this is, you know, a violation of the rules. I don't care. So I'm doing this with or without the council's blessing. And so let's talk about how to how to make this succeed rather than whether or not I'm sanctioned. And then after they get back, they close the gates for good. So he he starts looking for team members, people to go with. And he says he's restarting the X-Men, basically, mm-hmm. because all of this time since the and you made you made a point of this talking about Jonathan Hickman's forward to X of Swords. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been an X-Men team. And in order to make all unaffiliated mutants feel comfortable in Krakoa and for it to be their place, they basically abolished the team, the X-Men, and had Krakoa be the the only thing, the main thing. But Scott decides we, we need specifically this group of people who go above and beyond to do the thing to do the thing outside of the purview to do the thing the superhero thing essentially and let's get to the roots of what that is let's be the superheroes of krakoa yeah (laughs) and scott being scott literally inspires like half the quiet council to be like i'm going with you (laughs) yeah and they have to talk them all down they're like nope yeah, we're already miss like Gene's coming on this. We're already missing Storm, and we're already missing who else on the Apocalypse. Quiet Council? Apocalypse, right? We've got a lot. We're down a lot of Quiet Council members already. We can't risk yeah. 
Nightcrawler wants to go and they say, no, you can't. Kate, pride. It's like, I'm going. And Scott's like, and, and, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they talk Nightcrawler down by saying, you know, you're too important here. Your role with the mutant religion, like we need somebody on the quiet council to balance out all of, you know, these villains who would be left, the yada, yada, yada. Right, right, right. And, and he accepts, you know, the appeal to greater duty. And Kate's like, I'm crazy. That won't work on me. <laughs> I'm going whether you like it or not. And they're like, Kate, we're going through a gate. She's like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then for face value, Emma's like, should I go? And yeah. Cyclops is like, we both know you're not fucking going. But Shut up. but telepathically, Telepathic, secret, telepathically, so he tells to. her, yeah, yeah, he tells her, you're an idiot. Don't, don't, why are you even doing this? Yeah. And then publicly, he's like, no, it's same as the others. You need to stay. Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, the whole the duel between Apocalypse and Genesis slash Annihilation is raging, and actually. Genesis took off the Annihilation mask for the duel so that they could look each other in the eyes while they fight to the death. She breaks his sword. He refuses to yield and takes her sword and runs her through, basically. And so she's lying on the ground, bleeding, begs for death. And he says, no, I don't want this. Hmm. Saturnine says... I suppose that would matter if one were to care about the needs and wants. And even if I did, a day de- uh, the day demands a victor, doesn't it? Things must be settled. And then the Annihilation Mask says, put me on. And Genesis does. Mm-hmm. So it's like phase two Stands of the boss up, battle. Fully powered. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, this was only my first form. Two last things with Cyclops and Jean with the Quiet Council. Yeah. Magneto and Xavier kind of have to put on the front of like not supporting this. Right. But they're fucking into it. But when they, yeah. So when they, when Cyclops and Jean walk out, the last scene of that is, is just a close up of Xavier and Magneto. And Magneto's like, good boy. And fucking (laughs) Xavier just has this smirk of pride on his face. Yeah, yeah. It's glorious. But the next page is what I was talking about with the X-Men thing. Yeah, yes. The the breakdown of like, what are the X-Men? What is the Cry Council? Why do the X-Men exist? Why are they needed? This, that, and the other. And then like there's the like the editor's notes about the familiarity of the term X-Men makes its use unavoidable as it is often freely, though incorrectly interchanged with the term mutant, especially among human allies and adversaries, or used to add a patina of mutant nobility to an individual who is already part of a noble race. Um, it's therefore in the short term best practice to simply ignore its usage while we transition away from the old models of celebrated mutant paragons. So like this is... Like, yeah, Krakoan government, like, yes, notes. Yes, <laughs> they're like, we're, we are actively getting away from the term X Men. Yes, and then so we've gone this entire Krakoan history without the X Men right. and Cyclops coming in here being like, we need heroes, we need the X Men. Yes, like you guys, the Quiet Council and Krakoa have been going about this diplomatically, but there will be times <laughs> where we need something that diplomats can't achieve and that's the x-men so that's where my frame of reference for the term x-men thing is from yeah now we get to the the second to last chapter of x of swords it's an issue of excalibur and it opens with just an all-out brawl between amenthi demons and the 10 champions of krakoa 
the cha- or the nine champions, I guess down to seven now. <laughs> <laughs> the Amenthi demons being commanded by Pestilence and Plague, the two horsemen who weren't part of the contest. And Annihilation is summoning her children, summoning the, um, summoning the hordes to fight on her behalf. And meanwhile, the duel continues to rage between Annihilation and Apocalypse. But now Apocalypse has no sword. Brian tries to get him out and he's like, Apocalypse just says, don't touch me, human. I will not run from my wife. <laughs> Doug says, are you nuts, buddy? I would totally run from my wife. <laughs> I have to secretly believe that the entire crossover was written just to set up that line because that is fucking gold. <laughs> 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 buddy i would totally run from my wife <laughs> oh my gosh yeah that one yeah, had me then, that yeah. one had me laughing like an idiot when i first read it. <laughs> yeah and then we just have fights and duels and fights and fights and duels and nameless yep. creatures that we can fight and yeah and White Sword is the first to leave. He says, this is not the fight I swore my men to. This is foolish. And remember, he wasn't part of the Amenthi horde. Right. He deserted the Iraqi early, even before they fell to annihilation. Right. I mean, he, White Sword's men were fighting the Amenthi horde right. this entire time. Yeah, but just on, then, <laughs> on their own. And then it got to the point where there was no difference between the Iraqi and the Amenthi yep. to them. And then there really wasn't because the Iraqi got corrupted by annihilation. So he's like, this is foolish. I'm out. And he just walks away with his surviving champions. Yep. And then Bay chooses to fight with Doug. To, she chooses love over war. Yep. Joins the side of the Krakoans. And while this fight is going down, this giant multi-sided battle is going down. We have Saturnine in the palace with mm-hmm. all of the shards of and Etsy. also shogo following her around like a puppy mm-hmm. and she's starting to put the pieces of the shard of her mosaic back together and specifically the shards of captain britain things are looking bad and then you have jubilee coming and saving the day with all of the green priests of yep. other world who i mentioned earlier in this pod Mm-hmm. And then, you know, things are looking bad again. <laughs> and then uh, we've got a, um, a final confrontation. Iska says, how embarrassing, Bay, to get caught on the losing team. How embarrassing, Iska, to march with so many and yet be so alone. <laughs> the light starts closing out on the surrounded Krakoans plus Bay. And you see Betsy, weirdly enough, swinging a hammer on an anvil forging something meanwhile saturnine finishes her mosaic and a goose in captain britain armor flies up and it says Mm -hmm. when the citadel calls captain britain must answer she finishes her captain britain mosaic and it's of betsy not of brian like she expected this turns out this was all her plan to return the captain britain corps as brian's braddock okay so Real quick. Yes. If I have a puzzle of Steven Storman yes. and it shatters into a thousand pieces, 
and I put the Steven Storman puzzle pieces back together, <laughs> why would I not expect to get a Steven Storman puzzle? Like I get where, <laughs> like I get where in Otherworld and there's magic involved and she's doing this whole prophecy thing, but like, what did she expect? I know what she expected, but what yeah. did she expect? <laughs> <laughs> why did she expect it to, way, to work the way she expected? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't have an answer to that other than it's uh it's what she expected. Uh, but so on the last panel of the like, issue, yeah. you see an entire reborn Captain Britain Corps, and there's sure the goose and a frog, which is okay, sure, and an ape. And you know but, it's all you know it's all Betsy's Braddock because they have purple hair. They have like purple this. hair. Even 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 the gender swapped ones. Even even the yeah, ones. Even the men. Know, even the male presenting captains Britain here. They're all they're all purpley, and so, so you know stupid. that they're they're formed off the Betsy template. <laughs> and then. Chapter 22, where everything... I don't hate it. I don't hate it because I, I like that we're reestablishing something that's been, like, canon for, like, ever. Yeah. And, like, it's fine. And it's kind of cool that even though we have all these new realities since Secret Wars, we haven't had the... For whatever reason, Captain Britain Corps hasn't been brought back because right. Saturnine's trying to select all the Bryans. Right. When they're at in this new reality, they're all the Betsy's. Yes. That's cool. That is I'll cool. give them that. Yeah. I will give them that. So also Solem, I don't think we covered this. He just kind of pieced out. He just kind of disappeared. So we've got the final going into the last issue. We've got left from the Krakoan champions is Magic Cable, Cypher, Storm, Wolverine, Brian, and Apocalypse. Betsy and Gorgon are off the table. And then remaining of the Iraqi champions are War, Red Root, Iska, Annihilation, and Pog or Pog. Bay having switched to the Krakoan side, White Sword, Summoner, and Death, and Solemn all out. Well, we don't know about Solemn. That guy's a weirdo. The Captains Britain return, and they're inspired, and they renew the fight. You know, it's, it's like the... You, you got to do in the big climactic battle scene, like it looks down. Oh, we have a new champion. We fight a new. Oh, no, it looks bad again. Oh, we have a new champion. We fight a new. They're bringing so many people to this freaking battle. Yeah. Like the green priests try start to turn the spirit of the war to yeah. get us enough time to get the Captain Britain Corps to turn the war. <laughs> but then the Iraqi have a tool of their own. Turns out Summoner isn't his name. It's his job. And there was an overview of what a Summoner is capable of, different levels of Summoner as denoted by their little iconography can, you know, denote different sorts of hell beasts and summon them. And now we've got an army of Summoners linking hands and summoning just these truly disgusting, gigantic monsters. They are frightening as hell. And Apocalypse and Genesis, they are fighting. Apocalypse has another sword. Sure, that's fine. Magic opens a stepping disc, a teleportation gate, but she opens it in the sky, and it turns out that it's not just the X-Men going through. It's the peak, the sword facility that we talked about in part one of this pod, if you remember which, if you remember, is overrun with the Viscora aliens. Well, yeah, and then they close the gate back up. 
Right. They close the gate back up. The X-Men start to pour in. And my God, the roll call. There's too many even to name. I was naming them to myself just for fun as I was reading this the first time. But Mm -hmm. it is just dozens upon dozens of mutants, including Gwenpool. I did not know. I did not know Gwenpool was A, a mutant or B, affiliated with Krakoa at all. But sure. A and B, I thought confirmed as well. I'm pretty sure she's not a mutant. The only way to write it off, her ability is uh-huh. to jump between comic space. Right. And, and she so just kind of volunteered on her own. She wanted to be <laughs> in this fight. And so yeah. she hopped in in this. She chose this panel to go and hop into. That's, but uh, she doesn't show cool up again. Easter, yeah. On it's any a other cool page. Easter egg. But also she's kind of prominent to be yeah, she is. such an Easter egg. Dupe. Dupe. Yes. That was the other Dupe one that I really... Here really enjoyed seeing that guy yeah i love dupe but yeah just dozens upon dozens upon dozens of mutants go read it look through it enjoy identifying all of them it's one of my favorite things about a group shot is just going through and being like oh and bling's here oh and mm-hmm. gold balls here oh and wild sides here you know etc et yeah cetera. and and then this is where you get the Wikipedia entry of <laughs> Unice Untouchable can be seen in the final battle of Kakoa right. versus Arako. Yeah, you know, thanks, bro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this is this is the this is the X-Men. <laughs> this is the X-Men roster that's gotten Gene yep. pulled together. Yeah. And then you have your various action splash pages. Yep. Just the, the kind of shit that you live for. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. This is what you this read is, this the big is, X-Men stories this, for. This is, this is the hype in hype is my superpower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's all centering around Apocalypse versus Annihilation. Mm-hmm. And Apocalypse just won't quit. He gets stabbed through. He gets and Genesis manages to say from behind the mask, I'm so tired of this fight, but Annihilation kind of takes over. And so you realize that there's, you know, some slippage going on or some mm-hmm. there, there's some disconnect between Annihilation's takeover of a person, of the person wearing it. More crazy hell beasts get summoned, you know, and the, the fight just goes nuts. Cable realizes an idiot and that what he's holding the sword of Galador or the light of Galador isn't a sword after all that its primary purpose is it's a key card, basically just a giant passcode pass card. And its primary purpose is powering the peak. So they open it up and down come the Vescora and go nuts on the, uh, the Amenthi horde. And once again, like, Oh, and then that turns the tide. And then that turns the tide. Yeah. And finally, Apocalypse rips the Annihilation mask off and. And then he puts it on. And then he puts it the fuck on. And that design is really cool. Yes. Annihilation Apocalypse looks cool. Yeah. And they've got this cool trick with the lettering going on where it's kind of like overwritten upon each other. Mm -hmm. This is I am remade. And then the white speech bubble says apocalypse and the black annihilation speech bubble says annihilation, the end of things. Mm-hmm. But you know what? <laughs> Fucking apocalypse, man. He's all about will. <laughs> mm-hmm. He will not be overdone. And at that moment, Iska turns and that's, that's the, that's the oh shit moment. Yep. Iska 
kills some of the like Amenthi horde and famine and pestilence see it and they're like, wait a second. Oh no, it's cannot win. She's turned. <laughs> we can't win. So dope. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. And Apocalypse marches and he's speaking with his normal speech bubbles while the black dialogue balloons of annihilation are screaming, no, no. And Apocalypse surrenders. Uh, Apocalypse Apocalypse as annihilation. uh, As annihilation on behalf of the Amenthi Horde surrenders. Yeah. And then Saturnine's just like, okay. And uses Shogo and his dragon fire to literally get rid of pretty much everything of inconsequential appearance. Yeah. <laughs> so the X-Men stay, the chosen Iraqi stay, and then some enough people to put in the background stay. <laughs> right. Saturnine says, are you sure you want to surrender? After all, there's an entire multiverse of con- worlds to conquer, all those worlds to annihilate. And Apocalypse says, yes, we're done here. As Annihilation says, never, no, never. And Saturnine takes the Annihilation mask, takes it off of Apocalypse, refashions it into, she suggests a sword, and then Genesis says, no, I think not, and (laughs) turns it into a sort of like, what would you call that? Like, it, it looks like a spear at first, but in the next panel, it's like a religious ceremony staff kind of thing. So yeah, like a ceremonial Egyptian staff or yeah. of your classic kind of like Egyptian fan with a yeah. giant circle in the center. And you have a, you have armors being really rude here in the background <laughs> of that shot. Right. Asako's still in her armor in like 30 foot armor sitting down, blocking the view for hundreds of people See, behind her. This fucks me up. I go to punk shows, right? There's no stage at punk shows. There's no so every and there's no seats. So everybody's standing. They're all at floor level. I'm <laughs> for listeners who don't know, I'm six five. I'm a tall man. And I'm so self-conscious at shows. I never want to stand in the front because I'm like, I am blocking the view of everyone. Hisako, no such concern. Front row, (laughs) 30 feet tall. You can look through my translucent armor and see the entire scene of what's playing out in magenta. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty magentic. (laughs) Oh, buddy. You going to do that to me? All right, fine. <laughs> um, and so as a conclusion, uh, Saturnine says, you know, as a show of good faith, I demand one mutant of each side leave their own land and live with the enemy. Genesis speaks for the Iraqi side and chooses Apocalypse. Sorry, A, or however it's pronounced now. <laughs> right. And Apocalypse is like, I, I must warn you, I've changed. I'm not the same mutant you left. And she said, I see how you, who you truly are. It's totally fine. So Saturnine's like, who speaks for Kokoa? And Cyclops is trying to be all diplomatic. Yeah, he's like, like, normally well, the you know, council would speak, but in, in this, this is war and I am the war commander. And she's like, no. Apocalypse no. like, no. In this, I speak for Kokoa. Ah, <laughs> symmetry. As glorious as ever. Pick the mutants who takes, who takes your place, Apocalypse. <laughs> I choose... The mutant island of Oraco. Which was what this, his, his motivation of all of this from the beginning. So dope. Checks the fuck out. It's my understanding that mutant island of Oraco contains being prisoners that number in the millions. Are you sure that's what you want? Yes. That wasn't in the cards, Apocalypse. Nicely done. <laughs> wild. Wild. So wild. Ugh, so this is pretty much 
the end of it and yep. you've got apocalypse and genesis and their three surviving children <laughs> going back to Araco or to I a guess, month, a yeah and Araco is re- returns back to i guess take over the piece of Rocco that was already bonded to Krakoa. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess fully rebond. At least maybe on the quiet council. Is it Okara now? Or are we going to have two faces? I think it's going to be full Okara. Uh, at the I quiet council be, now? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. Are they too, have they grown too dissimilar to fully reintegrate? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. They're connected, but they have borders. So, right. like, oh, we'll see. I'm, well, I'm they really did, excited. They, I don't think they did before they were cut in two. But anyway, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm talking about yeah. like right now, right. the Araco Island that is yeah. connected to Krakoa right now. Right. Yeah, there is an at, there's a full on border. Just to finish it off, as they're walking away, Cyclops said, "Apocalypse, you didn't have to do that." <laughs> Apocalypse says, "Of course I did." I just, oh my god, I know I'm gushing over and over again about the way that Apocalypse has been written during this story, but just the things that he's so chill about and the things that he's so passionate about are just perfectly balanced and perfectly like, ah, it's, he's so matter of fact, but it it just works. It's so good. Cyclops says, anything you want me to tell the professor or Magneto? And he says, just one thing that I will see them again someday. Mm. And then one more, one more epilogue. Saturnine kind of puts a bow on the whole thing. This attendant says, you have won and deserve to have all that you desire. So she saved Otherworld. She is the omniversal majestrix and rightful ruler. The Britain Corps is back. The Britain Corps is back. She's won everything she's ever needed, but not the one thing she truly wanted, which is the love of Brian Braddock. And she ends alone on her throne. Yeah. There's one scene of reference of Storm and the Wakandans alliance being broken. Yeah. So we're going to see how, how that plays out. So just another little like note that gets listed for like a Hickman full text page <laughs> is the list of the Captain Britain Corps uh, reformed. And I, I pay attention to this kind of stuff because I read a lot of the Marvel universe. Yeah. And so it says Captain Britain prime is Betsy Braddock seat six, one, six. And then you go down she's and you see it's it's and she's or unaccounted unaccounted for. for. Yeah. There we go. She is unaccounted for. So that was interesting because we saw her hitting the blacksmith. Right. Iron. Yeah. And then it lists. See, this is five, 10, 15, 22 other Betsy Braddockses from other yeah. realities. So you got like Beth Braddock from seat six, uh, Justicar, Juridica. It goes on. It doesn't, we don't really need to go over them. But what stood out to me is sec, this is section one of 564,430. Yeah. It's a big multiverse. Continued on next page. <laughs> so that is the highest number of alternate realities I have seen accounted Post. since Secret Wars. Uh, you see, I feel like. If there's it's not a big deal. If there's a multiverse <laughs> within the first instant, there would be infinite. Right. So because every decision that any every person out- yeah. potential outcome creates a different multiverse. Every so every you know even to the minutest detail. Every quantum, you know, every uh, particle's quantum randomness at every moment creates a new. Right. Yeah. I mean, even just in one magic game of of EDH. <laughs> I'm rolling a D20 
to find out if I go first in a duel, even one in 20 chances there. Plus my opponent has to roll a D20. So that's one in 20 times one in 20. And then on top of that, my 99 card deck versus their 99 card deck, every iteration of how those cards could be stacked. Not to mention is the different reality play decisions. Yeah. Yeah. So like, there's a shit ton of realities. <laughs> I'm, I'm just point. saying like counting. Uh, maybe these are the only ones that they have re- successfully recruited a Captain Britain because, you know, and even a that, lot of sure. times they, they take the, the sword or they don't find the champion or whatever. But yes. But like, I, I guess I guess my point is it's, it's more of a more than more than have been established post Secret Wars. Right, because in the Fantastic Four, right, first right. volume of Fantastic Four coming back. They're going through where, and creating new realities. Well, they're going through and creating a bunch of realities, and then they're getting destroyed right. to the point where it's down to only like 140 realities or some shit like right. that. And so like that is it's logically speaking, there you can never quantify the number of realities. Right. So anybody's accounting for of a number of realities is going to be relatively accurate to some degree sure and also (laughs) like 2099 like post secret wars i feel like all the alternate realities shouldn't continue their same stories yeah if uh, if 616 got a reboot but they kind of continued the same stories in 616 kind of i mean like they did a universal time jump of eight months to legitimately start over everyone that they wanted to. Right. And then also have their own new histories of things that have happened in the last eight months. Like it's, it's right. There's, there's no making sense of it, but it was more just reading as many as I have. I had just noticed that how many are going, but also the seat numbers go up in, in numerical order hmm. on this list. It starts at 6, 14, 15, 22, 33, 65, 78, 99, 305, 523. You get the point. But the last one is 99, 476. If this is going for 564,000 entries, what number seat? Like, can we start doing not base 10? (laughs) (laughs) Because this is ridiculous. (laughs) There's so many numbers. So many numbers. Anyway, those are just my personal takeaways from a multiversal standpoint <laughs> and so i guess if another do you want to get back to uh x of swords and uh, yes, some sorry. takeaways here one takeaway in the text just in in saturnine's uh wrap up here is that she says i saw that the mutant council will break the first two cracks in that firmament so this looks like it's gearing towards one that apocalypse and i think gene resigned in order to be able to go on this mission resign yeah so that's two two seats empty and it looks like there's going to be some some big changes and some big conflicts within the council on the horizon who would you vote to put in an apocalypse seat to be on the uh fall council with magneto and xavier i think you have to leave that one open First of all, having a governing body of 12 is silly. Don't use even numbers. Ties only make everything worse. Go with mm-hmm. go with odd numbers. It's just better democracy that way. 
Yeah, that's true. Second, yeah, there's just nobody else who has that kind of stature within the mutant community on the level of right. Xavier and Magneto. I think you have to, and you know, you can say some bullshit about like to honor him or whatever, but I think you got to leave it empty just in every sort of practical sense. That also the founding of Krakoa really was this three pronged ideology, this merger, the, the, the power thruple, if you will, not Wolverine, Gene, <laughs> and, and Cyclops, but Xavier, Magneto, and Apocalypse. And so that's my guess for, for Apocalypse's seat. What about you? <laughs> no idea. Well, so as far as like influence in the mutant world, yeah, my next go-to would be someone like Sinister. He's already and on it. he's already on the council. Yeah. I could see, and uh, like Emma uh, is already on the council. Mystique's already on the council. Shaw's already on the council. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. Maybe Cyclops if he. I can see Cyclops. Like he's had some, you know, he's been established, especially in the Utopia era as like. Yes. Just a major leader in the mutant affairs, mutant world. Potentially also Namor. Ooh. Yeah, he may change his mind if he was offered a spot on the council. Yeah. Yes, I like that. I like the Namor (laughs) idea. That's a real good one. I was trying to think of who would be a good replacement for Gene. Yeah. Someone who is explicitly a good guy. Yeah. Maybe Bobby. He's been been downplayed a lot lately. That's a lot of responsibility for Bobby. I know. I I know. I might go Warren over Bobby. Yeah. Only because he's doing this X-Corp thing now. I love Bobby. Don't get me wrong. One of my favorite characters. This is a lot to put on the guy. I think he's... It is. I don't think he wants... I, I don't think he wants it, but not in the, like, reluctant hero rise to the occasion way. But, like, <laughs> that's this isn't, this isn't what you do with Bobby. <laughs> it's not, but I would have said the same thing about Nightcrawler. Oh, no. Kurt's a rock. Kurt's got this. He's, he, I mean, he is, he, like they say in this, he's the spirit, he's the yeah. soul. And he, he is a, a rock, but I don't see him as a governing figure. No, I think Kurt fits. What about Rogue? Mm, yeah, I could, see, I could see Rogue taking Gene's spot. Yeah. I don't want Beast. I'm just going to go ahead and say that right now. <laughs> Not now. Before no. either of us bring this no, up. No, no. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Oh, man. But um, yeah. Okay. So overall, I'm not unhappy with Ten of Swords. Yeah. Primarily because we got to see Storm and Magic Shine. Yes. And we moved a lot along. Also, best apocalypse story I've ever read, hands down. Just yeah. like as a vehicle for Apocalypse to shine. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I like it. it. It was not what I expected. And I like that. Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I'm a sucker for having my expectations fucked with, but still delivered a lot of, you know, hype worthy and climactic moments. Yeah. I'm interested to see what happens with Bay and Doug going forward. I'm interested to see what yeah. happens with the quiet. Where are they going to? Yeah. Hang out with the quiet council going forward. There's also the big mystery of Betsy. I'm sure that'll get resolved pretty quickly, it seems likely, but interested in you know what goes forward from that. And then I've got to imagine that the original Hickman outline had Apocalypse coming back 
like four years from now in publication time with Genesis and it being unbelievably epic, just absolutely uh, yeah. crazy. Yeah. I hope, I hope we get to see some version of that someday that doesn't suck that, that these characters aren't, I mean, because you've still got the horsemen and Genesis and apocalypse, you know, they didn't, they didn't die or did death. No, death died. Death is dead, but death is on Severus. Oh, in right. one of the wrap up. That's pictures. right. Severus. Se Sevilith. Sevilith. Yeah. Sevilith. Yeah. Yeah, so all the horsemen and Amenth and all of this, I, I don't want them brought back for things that suck. <laughs> and this is yeah. the hardest thing about reading so many comics, is that you have these strong memories of these stories, and you're like, man, that was good. I want that to be that and to stay in my mind. And then they bring it back, and it's bad. And you're just like, just don't bring it back. Just stop. Just come up with different things. Don't use the good stuff to make bad stuff, but they have to make <laughs> stuff. And so it's <laughs> going to be a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. A couple other takeaways. One, despite the, the tease of Mercator Kingdom in Otherworld, we did not see Mr. M. Oh, yeah. So curious if if that is what i still thought. could potentially be a thing we'll see it it seems unlikely that they're not just because just because he was mentioned in house of x powers of 10 when they right. were going through all of the omega mutants and yes said yeah we we haven't seen this guy so i feel like he's got to come up sooner or later other thing despite so much cypher in this story and so much the lead-in with warlock and all of that we didn't learn mm -hmm. what the warlock secret is. You know, he's revealed himself and said, like, listen, I'll tell you what the secret is, but you can't tell the others, right? That mm -hmm. was in one of the giant size. Yeah. But we, the reader, still don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, it very much is part of the Kirkoan era. It's, it's not yeah. an end. Yes. It's literally just, we're going to keep on going. We're going to keep on doing things. It doesn't. I can see now how this might lead to Reign of X in terms of now Krakoa is reunited and you've got, what did they say, millions more mutants <laughs> living there. Yeah. So this turns the nation of Krakoa from like a small South Pacific island with a few hundred thousand residents to like a, a full sized country. And if everybody has superpowers, I mean, they were already punching way above their weight class, but if this turns yeah. them into like global superpower status, I can see that being a bit of a status quo shift coming from this. For sure. Anything else to uh, on on Dawn of X? No, this was generally a good read. Yeah, <laughs> I did have my complaints, but there are very few books and stories that are 100 percent amazing. But I had a good time reading it. I did, too. Yeah, I definitely had like a version of that, like. Oh, it's just sticking in my craw and, and these contests, it really comes down to the contests, right? Comes yes, down to yes. the, the sort of quirky slapstick nature. And, you know, I've, I guess a lot of that has to do with other worlds specifically. Like it's always been written as this kind of like whimsical place. Yeah. So I guess I understand that. But they really set up one thing and delivered a different thing. And a part of that sticks in my craw. But I think a part of a part of me liked it better the way it was than the way I, the way I expected. Yeah. But no, it was generally it was it was pretty fun. Not a good time. Yeah. I think I liked it a lot. Well, you know me. I'm always looking forward to the next the next X. 
Yes. The next X will be in a bit. Yeah, it'll be a while, won't it? Yeah. Ne- so I have to get on stream in a few minutes. Yeah, but sorry. No, we're good. T- tell the people what you're reading next week. Yeah. Next week, I've got Iron Man, which I have a couple complaints about. <laughs> uh, we've got Doctor Doom Volume 2, which I re- Volume 1 was one of the last things I read before we started doing Pod. Yeah. Uh, I have Venom, which is leading up to King and Black. Yeah. Which I am excited to check out. Sweet. Okay. Right after that is Spider-Man Last Remains, which also has a Last Remains companion, which is which means I think this is going to be the final buildup to Kindred and fighting him. And I think that's going to be a big one. So I'm going to skip that until next week. And I'm going to read a couple other books that I think are going to be a little bit lesser hype. Sweet. Because because the Venom book is going to be pretty hype. You want to keep your your hype level at a manageable a manageable spot. You don't want you don't yes. want it exceed dangerous levels. Doctor's recommended amount of hype. Exactly. I've got a chapter and a half of Nomon. <laughs> I'm pretty easy like that. We've got maybe seven, eight more Nomon pods left. So oh wow. Yeah. Stoked. So the week that we recorded introducing Nomon the character. Yeah. Stu just finished that chapter. Yeah. So I hope he tunes in. Hi, Stu. Hi, Stu. <laughs> we already made fun of you earlier. All right. Yeah, we did. Polyamorous <laughs> man. Anyway, that's it. And I guess with that, we're going to put the outro music here. Excellent place for it, man. Good, good choice. I'm going to, I'm going to, I really Okay. Take care of the board. Sounds good, man. I need to go watch baseball. No. Yeah, good luck. Thanks. Yeah, we did. Oh, the amorous man. <laughs>